cleared for takeoff. Once again, welcome to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host. He is many, many things, but most importantly, he is the co-host of Jet Fuel, Jets Discord podcast. None other than Matt Szilard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Liz, say hello, my friend. What's up, man? We're, we're ready for an extravaganza. I wish it was on a, a better finish to the season, but hey, it was this is a it. good year. Lots to talk about. Lots of folks coming on. We we got a good we got a good one for you. Yeah. So so uh, for those who are familiar with the Jets Discord podcast, you know that we're regularly pretty regimented and we do good segments and we have a lot of fun today. We're having four guests on, so it's going to be a, a lengthy episode number one. So hopefully this gets you through your your day more than just your lunch break. And uh, the first and foremost, very excited to have on the Jet Fuel Jets Discord podcast. One of the Jets Discord's very own. You see him all the time. You see him at messaging. He's getting worked up. He's not worked up today, though. None other than Small Chimp. Chimp, say hello to the people. Hey, everyone. Oh, man. Happy to be this, on. Yeah, this is exciting, dude. We, finally, like we went a whole season before having uh, someone on. So this is this is cool. Uh, yeah, Chimp, first. The Slish Chimp tag team has made it to the airwaves, baby. Let's this go. is it. This is it. This is how uh, the JB downfall begins on this podcast right here. This is how it happened. But uh, Chim, first and foremost, before we get into some of the uh, specific stuff that we have you on for, I do owe you a a small bit of an apology because on the preseason predictions, I I picked you as the Jets Discord user most likely to rage quit at some point during the season. And uh, you did leave for a little bit. I don't know if that was a rage quit or not. But, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, the reason to leave, but I, I do owe you an apology for that first and foremost. Hey, there's a lot of money on the line. I, I had to do it. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, Champ, uh, for, for those unfamiliar, why don't you let people in on Off the Bench, something that you've you've posted a lot about. I know you do lots of hard work on it. Very cool. If you scroll through the data, what are, what are, you, what are you doing at Off the Bench? What are you planning to bring the football analytics sphere? My biggest thing with Off the Bench is providing uh, personnel data, which typically they have on, like, sharp football stats but that is updated until the end of the season. Usually if not a bit later, um, I want to do on and off type stuff, kind of like basketball for the, uh, all the NFL data has on and off stuff now too. I don't see any sites really providing it. So I'm trying to get myself in there as fast as I can. So I can be the, uh, like first one on, on the board for that. Right. On the board, off the bench, like it. OTV, OTV. But um, so, so what's some of the, I mean, obviously the on and off the personnel usage stuff. And part of the reason that we had you on Chimp is obviously you're very big into the analytics sphere and, and all that stuff. So you had three stats kind of to know from the 2022 season that you pitched to us. You want us, you want us to kind of go over. So uh, first and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the, the two tight end usage that, that you worked up the stats that you kind of dug up for that. All right. So, yeah. So we all remember End of 2020, we fire Gase. We don't get Trevor Lawrence, of course. So we get Salah. So it's like, all right, what are we going to be doing here? He brings in his boy, uh, Michael Floor. We know that's not the thing nope. anymore, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, we went in, we're like, all right, like, what kind of, what kind of like offense is, is yeah, what offense is this going to be? Is it going to be too tight end heavy like San Francisco? Or are we going to be some sort of hybrid type thing? Are we going to more be more of a, uh, 11 personnel, just traditional offense or what? So free agency comes along. We see Hunter Henry go off the board. Ah, geez. We see Johnny Smith go off the board. 
ugh, run out of options. Right, right. And then uh, Gerald Everett goes to Seattle. He's pretty much the last uh, hope out of there. We end up going into 2021 with Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, and Trevin Wesco. Wesco was there, baby. Wesco was there from the lost episodes. Yep, Wesco (laughs) was there. So so then we... uh, you got to figure, all right, it's probably going to be 11 personnel. We only had uh, more and Mims. That was kind of like as the whole Mims fiasco was starting with the salmon, the, oh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play, all this stuff like that. Right. So then it's like, all right, so this is going to be really weird. As 2021 starts, we're running 12 personnel 30% of the time for the entire first half of the season. The end of the season ends up being around 19% usage. So it's like, all right, so we didn't have the personnel to do it, but we decided, hey, we're going to do it anyways. So then it's, we're going to 2022. All right, here's our second shot to get tight ends. We kind of follow up with what New England does. We get two big uh, free agents, and it's like, all right, cool. We go into the draft. We get a third guy. It's like, yeah. oh, geez. So we're we're adding depth. We're adding starters. It's basically, all right, here's the entire new uh, tight end room right off the bat. So then we go into the season, and we only exceed twenty-five per, or twelve personnel usage uh, for a single week in week twelve. So from weeks one to twelve, we had about twenty-five percent usage. No other point in the season does that get above twenty-five percent. And uh, that's like, all right. So yeah, that that didn't end up being the offense. A big part of that was the necessity of, all right, we're not able to play from ahead from the run. We can't really run all these heavy personnel usages. It's we're going in our we have to score quick, we have to score fast, all of that. We're just outside of the top 10 11 personnel usage on the season. And we're just at the tail end of the top 10 and 12 personnel usage. We're ninth in two tight end usage by the end at about 25%. So that, that kind of surprises me. We weren't higher, especially when Corey was out. Like I think that was something that we were shocked at was just like how much we just plugged Mims in and it was like a yep. clear drop off in talent and production, yep. but we just yep. like, Hey, that's what we're doing and we're going to make it work, I guess. Right. And it really didn't work, but <laughs> yeah, it was insane. You decide, all right, here's a guy who was pretty much a healthy scratch for an entire season. And instead of, Hey, we have two tight ends we brought in to be big contributors. We say, all right, Mims, here's your time to shine. And right. Yeah, that Needless worked out. Say it didn't work. <laughs> well, that's part of the reason why I'm drinking here on this uh, this podcast today. I got the Ocho lined up, so there's that. But you know, it's it's weird because we said before the season, and we kind of knew, right, Sliz? When we, when we started the podcast this year, we kind of knew that. You know what? They signed these two tight ends. They're going to factor into the plans in a big way. But then it kind of feels like they didn't. And and listen, a lot of that is primarily you want these guys to be blockers, right? You want them to be run blockers. So like expecting these guys to be the the Travis Kelsey's of the world to just, you know, he's a run blocker too, but to just be that like game breaking tight end, that was probably a little pie in the sky at the end of the day, but the usage, especially towards the end of the year. And part of the reason that Michael floor is gone now is that the creativity just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. And, and you saw us try to do it a couple times with like screen. I think towards the back half, we started incorporating the tight ends more with like the Uzama shot play against the Lions with some of the tight end screens and stuff we we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just like it didn't feel like enough. Right. Um, and, and one of Chim's 
not to, to jump straight into the next stat was around 11 personnel breakdowns and snaps with each of the QBs. And, and he, he said it, you know, when we're playing from behind, it's hard to stick to your game plan. You have to start opening it up. I know with like Joe Flacco and the Browns game, right. You had to go 11 and we had to chuck the ball because we were trailing every single one of those games. Yep. So I, I, I guess segue right into your next stat there, Jim. <laughs> Yeah, so why don't you let us know, Chip, about the uh, the eleven personnel breakdowns and the targets for between the three quarterbacks? You know, uh, who's who of quarterbacks we're running out there this year. All right, so when we talk about this, we're talking about the three main ones. We have Mike White, Zach Wilson, and Joe Flacco. I'm not right. going to make Strebler breakdowns. Chris Strebler erasure. Oh man, man. this is erasure, is what this is. Yep, unbelievable. That's fun. He's well. The whole thing that when I was talking to Sliz, we're saying, all right, what kind of trends can we break out of this data? Come to find out when you have like five starts from one quarterback, six starts from another quarterback, four starts from another quarterback, you start running out of trends. The playbook <laughs> opens and closes as we do different guys. Nick yeah. Wilson, it's trimmed right down. Mike White, everyone's saying, oh, wait a minute. Like, why aren't we using this playbook with Zach? It's like, right. needless to say, it doesn't really work with Zach. Right. The nice thing here, though, is that all of this, both the snaps and the attempts are fairly similar. We have 147 snaps with Mike White, 183 with Zach Wilson, and 160 with Joe Flacco. So we're fairly in the same ballpark. It's a difference of about 40 from White to Zach Wilson, but that's all right. For uh, both Mike White and Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson was the top uh, snap leader for wide receivers at about 95% for Zach and 97 for Garrett. Or the big thing with Garrett is that he broke out pretty early into the season, but near the end of Joe Flacco's run with us, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Joe Flacco, he only played about 77% of the uh, snaps. That was uh, Garrett Wilson. Right. The big thing here is that the leading receiver for Joe Flacco was Elijah Moore. For Mike White, he played about 87% of the time. And for Zach Wilson, he played only about 70% of the time. Huh. Elijah Moore, he his usage was all over the place. You had yeah. him kind of play decoy and all of that. But you know, it's it's inter- I mean, it's interesting. I shouldn't say interesting, but I hate that word. But it's worth noting that remember at the very beginning of the season, like we're talking week one, and Garrett Wilson was on the bench, and you're saying to yourself, like, what the hell, man? Like, you know, like when, when you take a receiver with the 10th overall pick, you're saying to yourself, this guy should be on the field, period. And I understand Sala very much runs. You have to earn your snaps. You have to earn your keep, this and that. He's a rookie, you know, all that stuff. But there was no reason that Garrett Wilson shouldn't have been on the field week one, you know. And and thankfully, yeah. that was rectified relatively quickly, but just not, not fast enough for my liking, I guess. Yeah, and, no. and like you said, Chip, I think the crazy thing, and it's been the frustrating thing, like really the entire time we've both been in the Discord, right? Between that last Gates year with Sam, between the and the the Michael Fleur years, like between quarterback injuries, between personnel injuries, it's like, man, it is so hard to get a feel for what we're actually trying to do and how we yeah. evolve throughout the year. Because even like like early on in this year, right? Like you had okay, Garrett, we, we had him in the slot. Then we decide, Hey, he's good outside. He can win outside and yep. we change that. And then you're building with the, with the pony package with Brees and you're getting the ground game going and you're complimenting that with the RPO game. And then Brees and ABT get hurt and the run game dies. Right. 
and then Corey Davis gets hurt and then that changes that whole and then Mims is just a black hole and and it's like and then the quarterback carousel like kicks into full gear and it's like it's it's so frustrating it's like I wish we could have 16 games of at least court or 17 games of at least quarterback health so you can get like quarterback trending throughout the year because that's pivotal to the center of the office and like Chimp alluded to, like the Mike Lef- the the Mike White offense was much different than the Zach offense, and, yeah. and that's just playing to each of their strengths. There's stuff that M- Zach can do, especially the outside the pocket bootleg stuff that Mike was not he can't do, wasn't yeah. doing, and then the, vice versa. There's a lot of the quick hitter RPO type stuff that Mike White was doing that Zach struggled with hard. Right, and you know the the thing is part of that too, Sliz is so we recorded last before Michael Floor got the boot, right? And that's why this entire situation is just kind of gross to me and why it reeks of ownership, right? Because there was zero continuity on offense at all this year. And the thing is, like, if you had continuity on offense with 17 games of Zach and he sucked, that's one thing, right? But you had Zach hurt the first four games of the year. You had Zach coming back and then he was pretty bad, generally. You get the injuries, like you said, to Brees and ABT. Corey Davis goes out with an injury. Elijah Moore has a meltdown. Like all of this is, it's just in one big pot of screw up and tomfoolery. And it's just so frustrating because like, I think, and we saw it in 2021, right? That even though their offense wasn't great in 2021, there was plenty of creativity there. And you said to yourself, you know what? Another year of LaFleur and maybe some more stability and you can really see this offense blossom. And then it didn't. So it really feels like LaFleur was the fall guy for a lot of reasons, and I feel for him. I really do, and I think he's going to land on his feet and be really good somewhere else. We'll see. I mean, if that's like in if that's in L.A. with McVeigh, that's one thing because he's dealing with a broken down offensive line and you know a wishy washy run game. But it's still McVeigh, right? If he ends up in, I don't know if Tennessee hired an offensive coordinator yet, but if he ends up in Tennessee, that's another thing too. And you have that LaFleur. Uh, that LaFleur bridge there because Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there before he got the job in Green Bay. So all this is to say, because we didn't talk about this last week, Mike LaFleur was very obviously the scapegoat for this entire situation. And it's really, really frustrating to see because it, it regardless of whether how you feel about Zach or Mike White or whoever else, like there was a lot, a lot that went wrong this year that was beyond what Mike LaFleur was able to control. And that's unfair. It's unfair, but yeah, life of a Jets Segue into your your last stat you had queued up for a chimp on the the two running back usage, right? Where per you know, and week six, seven, I was like, man, Michael Fleur is the guy, right? He he's ahead of the league. We got it figured out. We're bucking trends. Mm-hmm. We're figuring out the entire league's playing too high shell. All right, we're gonna hit him with this pony package with two dynamic ball carriers and yeah. kind of just punch him in the mouth. And then it kind of <laughs> went away, right? So go ahead, cue that up for us. All right, so like you said, it really seemed like Michael Ford is figuring something out here. You have all these two high looks. You say, all right, so teams are daring us to beat them on the ground, and we're going to do it. We had four teams in the league that exceeded 30% to running back usage. Who do you think they are? Four teams. San Fran? Four? That's one. San Fran. Two running back usage. The Jets? No. Ooh. Um, I feel like I want to say Miami, but that also doesn't feel gonna, right. Miami. 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 Okay, Miami makes one. sense. Um, Atlanta? 
That's the third one. Wow. Yeah, let's All right, go, we're, on a, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. All right, we can't screw this up now. So, <sighs> come on. It should be an easy one because it's the top one. The top one? The who highest is... two running back usage in the league. Who uses a fullback a lot? That's, I was thinking who uses fullbacks. I don't know, the Ravens? That's the fourth Ravens. one. Let's yep. go, baby. Good job, Sliss. You get to keep your job for another season. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Can you think of a good uh, number for Baltimore? How much or what percentage do they use that? 45%. The number is 56% usage. Holy jeez. <laughs> jeez, Louise. The Jets? 40, 50, oh, my God. The Jets come in at just under 5%. Hmm. So it seems like there definitely was a trend there where it's like, all right, yeah, two running back usage is a cheat code against it. You say, all right, we can run this against teams. They're going to give up five or six yards on the ground. And at that point, the pacing just, it makes total sense. You always mm-hmm. get a first down if you're running five or six yards right. per clip. You know, and like, the, the thing is, champ, sorry to cut you off, but like it's, we've been saying it all year. Like we, we've said all year, Mike LaFleur does not want to pass the ball 50 times a game. He just yeah. doesn't that that was never in his DNA. Like that's just the, not where he comes from. It's not the coaching tree. It's not, it's just not who he is. Right. They drafted Brees Hall and listen, we can, we've had this debate a million times, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they drafted Brees Hall because they felt that he could be an all pro like that. He could be a top 10, maybe top five back in the system. Right. Like that's why they drafted him. Not because, you know, for whatever, however else you want to break it down, whatever, but that's why they drafted him. Right. Um, and Brees Hall goes down, and all of a sudden the whole thing goes belly up, right? And so it's, it's like it's all ridiculous to like point the finger at one guy. Like injuries, injuries can be a reason. It's not always an excuse, but it can be a reason why things go bad. Like there's nothing wrong with saying injuries cause the Jets' offense to be this bad for a majority of the year. I think it's interesting too when you look at those top four teams. So that was Miami, San Fran, Baltimore, and Atlanta. Right. A lot of the almost. Every single one of those teams had inconsistent quarterback play throughout the year, mm-hmm. too. And it was yep. mitigated, right? Two of those teams are playoff teams. Three three of those teams? Three of those teams were playoff teams. We we helped Miami get in last minute. Mm-hmm. And that yep. but then Atlanta certainly punched above their weight class, right? With mm. Mariota and he wasn't good all year. And right, go back to the pre like we dumpstered them in the preseason. All the all the reports out of practice, preseason game. Like we we were taking it to Atlanta and they finished with the same record as us, despite what was on paper, a far worse roster, worse, uh, worse line, worse skill positions. Uh, and yeah, it, like to Chimp's point, it is a bit of a cheat code and it especially helps with inconsistent quarterback play and giving them an environment to be able to, we're seeing it with Brock Purdy right now, man. Like, yep. like that first half of football he played over the weekend in the playoff game with, was so uninspiring and he's still putting up crazy numbers and it like it just doesn't matter because and yep. granted they have a great offensive line and great weapons and the perfect you know like we don't have a, a juice we don't have a, a george kittle or a debo samuel or, or brandon iuke's a different different type of player than a garrett wilson is right but like you see just how these offenses how the league is has shifted a little bit in the success it's having and like we were doing that and you saw the success we were having up until the two most important guys for that both both got injured in the same game yep. and yep. then Corey got hurt Corey got hurt that game too and he was a key part of it from from the outside blocking perspective yep it's yeah i mean i mean the whole thing is we were doing it a lot from weeks five to eight we were nearing 13 percent of plays in two running back looks 
it goes back to the whole trend thing. This year, we were set up to really handle it. We had a wide receiver core that was five guys deep. When you consider everyone, we had running backs. We had two guys that we were excited to start, and then everyone's excited about Zion Knight, and then you have Ty Johnson, who he has apparently a couple fans, I guess. But, James um, Robinson, baby. Don't forget James. <laughs> ended up with James Robinson. It really – we were really equipped to do all this stuff, especially – then we have the three tight ends, of course, too. It's just there was always a curveball around the corner. It was every time. It's, all right, we're going to run two tight end stuff all the time. None of them got hurt for any stretch of time that I can remember, at least. But it still just seems like every time it's like, all right, we don't have enough wide receivers for a good 11 personnel. We don't have enough running backs for a good two running back personnel. And then we don't have a quarterback to do anything. Yeah, I think on the tight end, a lot of that got neutered just by the tackle play, right? Where yeah. our tackle play fell off a cliff. So then it's like you have CJ Uzama having to try to mask for the tackle, you know, Ma- whether it's Max Mitchell or, or Ogbog or Dwayne Brown post-injury, right? Where it kind of just mitigates the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that definitely makes sense for all of that. You end up having two weapons you brought in. All right, you can't use them as weapons. So what are you supposed to do there? Yeah, they're, right. jum- they're jumbo O-linemen at that point. <laughs> right. And even that just ends up being trying to play uh, catch up with all the stuff going against us. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, Chimp, before I let you go, first first things first, because I feel a little left out. So I had to, you know, I have my glasses now. So there's that. Um, but uh, two, Chimp, how, how are your stories today? How do you feel about your stories? And uh, is there anything that you need Jets Discord, Jets listeners out there at large to know about off the bench. Hey, just keep your keep your eyes peeled. I'm still working on the on-off tool. I'm going to make it kind of like NBA WoW if, if you've ever used that. It's it's basically you can go through, all right, we're going to have these guys on, these guys off, and then what's it look like? So for like the NFL, you can say, all right, what does this team look like when a lineman's out or when the two top wide receivers are out or whatever it ends up being. So that's something I'm really excited about. And I really want to push out there as fast as I can. Yeah, I know we used it early on in the year and and, and kind of as you in parallel as you were developing it, the whole Quinn and Williams snap count debacle, oh God. right? And, yeah, and, can we and not us, us digging into the numbers and it's like, oh, it's like, why out. isn't he in there on third down? It's like he's in on, on every third down, he's in there on every fourth down, he's in there on key drives. If you map it out, it's very clear what their trend is and what their rotation is. Yeah, can it's we, like can the we same not? thing, and it's the same thing that Leo did under a different d- defensive coordinator. Can but. we stop, please? This this <laughs> podcast cannot be this long. All right. But uh Chimp, uh Sliz and I, we want to thank you, my friend, for jumping on hey, the podcast. I, I, got, I got one for oh, one God. for the road out of the, the questions for a cause bank. All right. We got small chick chimp on. I gotta ask him a food question. All right. Is is <laughs> breakfast for dinner a sin or is it acceptable? It's a bummer. You spend it's a bummer. It's a bummer. There's a take. You spend the entire day. All right, I'm gonna have something nice for dinner. And then you have the like the laziest uh food possible. It's like I want a piece of chicken or steak or some sort of pasta dish. There's so much you can do to say, all right, we gotta circle back around to breakfast. It's just sorry. You know, here's the here's the thing, right? So I pretty much agree with you, Champ. But on on like, if you're telling me I can go out and get like a Monte Cristo sandwich 
for dinner. Like that's one thing where you're throwing everything on some French toast and like ham. And you know, that's what that, that's thing. not, that's not breakfast though, man. But like <laughs> it's brunch, you know, it's acceptable. It is what it is. But like, if you're telling me like, I'm got to whip together a bowl of Cheerios with 2%, like that's not, you know, that's not great. That's not fun. Like eggs I, for I would, dinner. I would not I can't consider do eggs that. Them. I would not consider that breakfast or dinner. If you're eggs, a eggs, bowl of Cheerios. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it is what it is, but you know, it, it's breakfast. That's a hard it's a breakfast. phone in. That's a hard yeah. phone in. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's, I can't do eggs and bacon for dinner. It's like, you know, whatever, but, uh, I'm, a, I'm on an Island here. I'll, I'll, I'll cook up some eggs and bacon or, or you see my, so I started talking to a nutritionist not too long ago and she tells me you could eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. Which you kind of already knew, right. Because societal norms are stupid to like what you can eat when. So, you know, it's great when we go out to dinner and when I go out to dinner with my wife and I bring home like a half half rack of ribs and I have those sitting in the fridge for the morning. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Let's let's barbecue it up. 8 a.m. Having some how, ribs. How about hell flip yeah. it on its head? How about dinner for breakfast, Jim? What, what's that? Yeah. Vibe? yeah, that's fine. Now we're talking. Now we're hey, talking. The, my entire morning is waiting until it's socially acceptable to eat lunch. So I'm going to skip it. Lunch is elite. We know this. Dude, we know the, this. the portion of Jetscord that only eats smoothies for lunch. What are you doing? What oh, are yeah, you guys getting, doing? Eat yeah. food, guys. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Very bizarre. But uh, Chimp, again, we want to thank you for jumping on the podcast. You know, everybody out there, make sure you check out Off the Bench. Chimp is always hanging out on the analytics channel. He's always checking, hanging out everywhere in the Discord. So, Chimp, thanks again for jumping on, and, and we'll talk to you soon, right? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, take it easy, brother. You too. So everybody, as Sliz alluded to, I got to take these glasses off before I blind myself because I have my contacts in, but as Sliz alluded to, uh, something that we're also doing on this podcast today is, is called Questions for a Cause, where we'll be asking people on the Jets Discord to, to ask questions. And for every user who asks a question, we'll donate $5 to charity. And this year we chose DeMar Hamlin's Chasing M's Community Toy, toy Drive. So once we ask, we have a bunch of questions in the bank and we'll we'll take them down one by one as we have our guests on and in between when we have time to kill. And I think we're up to like 120 something dollars, which is, you know, it's modest. It's not bad. We got to get some people out of their shell, you know. I, but, I thought uh, you were going to say 120 questions for a second. I was like, oh, oh no. shoot, this is a long list, man. <laughs> It was a long list and we're about to be really broke really quick, but like, you know, I was expecting Herb to jump in here with a question. I didn't see Herb in here. So with, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, I could be wrong. Herb, Herb might be in there somewhere, but uh, uh, Sliz, um, wh- who, what is your favorite Kid Cudi song? It's an interesting question. It's a tough one, man. Like, I feel like, like I identify like just music in general, right? People identify with certain songs, with certain yep, memories yep. or yeah, yeah, yeah. moments in time. And like Kid Cudi, I have so many different songs with different moments in time, different friends, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I gotta say, it's probably Erase Me, though. It's pr- Erase just good. like the, the, and there's so many songs, like I, I could list five of them that I could probably put number one on any given day, but that's always like the tried and true go-to. Kanye's verse is good in that song. Too bad he's yeah, a psychopath is. now. But yep. uh, it's it a, you know, it's, I really enjoy Erase Me. You know, not that Misery asked me this question, but uh, I, I really like My World. I always like My World off of Man on the Moon. Like, that I don't know vibe, why, man. Like, it just hits different, like, as as the kids say, as the youth say. Um, there's just something about it that always gets me, gets me in there. I mean, I was, I want to say I was a senior in high school when Soundtrack to My Life came out, maybe junior, senior. I want to say it was around 2008, uh, 2009. So, soundtrack to my life is just like you said like you really identify it with different points in your life so i uh, really appreciate really appreciate kid cuddy it's oh, not yeah. and enter galactic it's not a bad album either we, i have to finish the show or the the movie but not bad 
not bad. Uh, let's say uh, for Joe misery ass, who is one non quarterback that is a free agent that you want to be a jet? Oh man. I couldn't even tell you, man. Non quarterback. Yeah, I just not like that, not that far into the just blinded no, by QBs. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Cause like for me, it's like, so you look at linebacker, right? And that's something you could potentially attack in the draft. Like, Aziz Al Shair. Okay. Shair? Sure. Sure. Whatever. 49ers we'll guy popped off under Sala last year, was a little bit hurt this year. Probably not a guy they bring back because they got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Like, dude, get him over here, man. Sure. Easy. Okay. Whatever. I'm in, I'm in for it. You know, it, it, and the thing is, like, this tequila Ocho just hit me already. So there's that too. But, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just, I look at the, I look at the pieces on this team and I'm like, I don't really feel the need to have a big off season. Like, I don't, I just don't like, I don't see the need to splurge on anything that's like not a quarterback. You know, maybe that's a cop out answer, but I just hope we bring back our guys like Bryce Huff. You know, I hope we resign him. Um, I hope we give Quint key piece Mike Remmers. Shut up, man. <laughs> like we're having fun. We're not having that much fun. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's, that's a tough question for me to answer at this juncture. Um, when we start getting into more off season stuff in, in the couple weeks after the Super Bowl, then we could discuss that a little bit further. So sorry if that's dissatisfying misery, but uh, that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, Vid stuff asks who benches more slizz or JB. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cop out on this early. It's definitely JB. Because I gotta get wrist surgery later in the year. Oh, so. <laughs> oh man! I thought you were gonna say because I'm jacked, but well, yeah, well, fine. of course, of course. But I got, I gotta get the excuse in there first, man. Oh well, yeah, that's fine. How much you bench in your heyday, Sliz? How about that, dude? Like body weight tops. <laughs> I mean, I've never that's been good. a bench guy. I've always been a dis- like I was a soccer player, like big on the leg press, man. But right. soccer player, track and field, ski- like I've always been a, a distance cardio type guy, so. Like I, I do it to maintain and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, admittedly, my chest is probably the weakest part of my body. So like I try and figure out my chest, but I can't, I can't, I can't bench, dude. I'm so weak. I'm telling you, like, I can't bench. I can ba- barely bench the bar. I'm telling you it's bizarre. It really is. You know, this is a perfect time to bring in our next guest right in the heat of our bench press conversation. Um, Listen, this is a guy who was on the Jets beat for a season. He quickly became a fan favorite before ditching us for Houston. He's now a reporter for ESPN Houston covering your Houston Texans. None other than DJ Bienname. DJ, welcome onto the Jet Fuel podcast, my friend. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. I forgot to unmute myself. But that's no, fine. that's fine. Uh, DJ, quick question before we get into the actual football stuff. How much are you benching these days? Uh, depends what's on the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. If, so if, someone mean, just, like, if someone leaves behind, like, you know, four plates, you're good. Like, you're, you're just oh, knocking no, out, no. you know. If it's, if it's 225, uh-huh. you know, I could probably get that, like, 15, 18 times. You going to the combine? You're going to be you're gonna be doing that at the combine, 225? So, what's so funny, <laughs> funny story is, like, uh, I remember at the combine last year, I was walking with uh, the Jets PR, one of the, Jet, one of the Jets PR guys, and then Joe Douglas and Brian Costello's. And they're always trying to like convince me to like go hop on a bench and see how much I can get. I think <laughs> Joe Douglas gave me ten. I think Kyle sold me under ten, and the other guy, uh, Jared Lindley, he didn't he didn't give me a number. 
I think at that time I probably would have got 10, but uh, I might try that this year. No, Man, that's the, good for you because the nicest thing anybody for the Jets have, has ever told me is Todd Bowles told me I had nice sneakers once. So there's there's that. But Hey, that that matters a lot more than anything. If you got nice kids <laughs> in your feet, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we right. saw you. We saw you run the the forty, right, on the uh, the little beat combine there. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm still suffering from it. My left leg <laughs> busted up from it, so I'm still suffering from that event to this day. <laughs> so, so DJ, let's get into some football stuff, my man. Um, so, first question: How how did you enjoy your first year in Houston? I mean, you go from from crap ass Jets to sorry to to less than good Houston Texans this year, not. Uh, not not uh, exactly a come up, but uh, you know it's good for you, obviously. But how was your first year in Houston? It was solid for sure. Um, it was you know it was more the biggest adjustment was more like just working for a new company and covering the team from that company's perspective. Um, the biggest difference is Daily News versus ESPN. Like Daily News, I can kind of like I'm I'm the uh, you know I'm in charge of what I want to write about. Where ESPN right. I have to like get it more cleared, which you know there's pros and cons to that. Because ESPN you can do more. Um, you can just do better quality of work versus when you're on a beat every single day. You got to turn things out day after day after day. So, you know, some of the bigger projects you want to work on kind of gets, um, you know, you kind of get hung up on and you might not be able to swing back to because, you know, you have to write something every day. So um, besides that, you know, after that adjustment, you know, I mean, obviously I've never covered, covered a coaching search. So yeah. that's something um, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting because, Everybody, all everybody has to say is nice things about these people. Right. The majority, with the, when the majority of, you know, head coaches that get hired flame out. So it's always, you know, interesting to watch people make very strong declarations about candidates, no matter, you know, either way. When, right. I've, I've come to accept that actually like none of us outside of like people that actually coach, even players, like, like, like none of us outside of like coaches actually know what a good coach actually looks like for the most part. Players, some players do, but Nobody Fans, knows anything, DJ. Yeah, like none of us. Nobody really knows know. anything. Yeah, you know, because like we, we can't really quantify coaching. Like, how can we right. quantify, like, outside of like things that we think are examples of coaching, but all of it comes down to what we see on game day. Where so much of coaching comes down to what happens during the week. Right. I mean, look at, um, and this is interesting because Nick Casario is a GM down there, but look at New England, right? Because how, how for years, everybody's been trying to take some of the success from new England and bill Belichick's tree. Right. And right. for every, you know, you have Joe judges of the world and Matt Patricia's of the world and it just doesn't work. So nobody knows anything about these yeah. searches. It's, it's really a shot in the dark. So, yeah, and, and it, it really is, you know, that's why I like, I'm, I'm not even like, obviously I was still doing my research and trying to figure out like where the tests are going or whatever, but that's not something that's like, um, I want to break up. I'm like, all right, you know, like, uh, Grant, that is a big story to break, but like, you know, absolutely um, to figure out who that cool guy is going to be speaking for it. Right. Yeah. Well, you, so, got, you got Sean Payton rumors going on down there, though. You got, yeah, you got big nice. fish on the line. I ain't right. going to lie. They, they can get Sean Payton. That'd be excellent. I cannot lie to you. That'd be great. That'd be great for the Texans and great for business. So, oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> so, 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 DJ, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So, obviously, um, as Jets fans, we were enthralled, thrilled, pleased, like at whatever you, whatever word you want to use about Sauce Gardner this season. And right. the big day, the big debate is always going to be Derek Stingley versus Sauce Gardner. I have no horse in the race. I mean, obviously, big fan of Sauce, but uh, what did you see from Derek Stingley Jr. this year? What, what were some? Were there any growing pains? What did you kind of notice from his from his rookie season? 
I mean, you kind of saw some of the talent that made him go that high. Um, Cause like playing quarterback's pretty easy for Stingley, to be honest. Like, like the way he moves, he's very fluid in and out of his breaks. Um, he has very good football IQ. Um, he has ball skills. Like he has everything that he has the size, he has the speed, the lateral quickness that you that requires to play the position. Um, I would just say incomplete because obviously he got hurt at the end, and we didn't really get to see him like at his best in the sense that uh, Lovey Smith ran a lot of cover two, which especially on third down, third down is the money down um, mm-hmm. for cornerbacks. You know that's where they get paid their money, um, and like a lot of time you know, on third down. Lovey Smith would just call cover two, which is basically like the cornerbacks, they just guard the flat, sometimes sink a little bit if the outside receiver carries, that goes a little bit deep and they kind of carry with it. But they still have eyes on the quarterback and they're already more occupied with the flats. So when you make a cornerback kind of live in that, in that, in that lifestyle, they just, they just won't be that many plays for them to make on the ball because um, they're basically guarding the flats for the most part. And teams aren't trying to throw on the flat in the flats. On third down, you know what I'm right. saying? Like a third and seven, eight, nine, ten, they're kind of trying to push it beyond. Obviously, the flat trying to get to the first time marker, unless you're Kirk Cousins on the right. I was gonna, I was just about to get read my mind. I was just gonna say, unless you're Kirk Cousins throwing three yards on a fourth <laughs> and eight to save your season, but you know, it is what it is. Exactly. So um, yeah, so you really didn't get to see Derek Stingley at his full capability. So it's really interesting to see who they're gonna hire. Um, and hopefully whoever that defensive coordinator is. Um, uses their extremely to the best of his ability. So obviously, like that's why, that's why I always tell people, like if Sauce would have been the pick at three, like he just he wouldn't have won. He wouldn't win Defensive Rookie of the Year because at the end of the day, like for a rookie, you suddenly put in positions to succeed. I mean, be utilized to your strengths that allows you to play, make those type of impact plays that Sauce could make. He just wouldn't have been given the opportunities to make that in Houston. Like it would have been very similar to how I'm talking about their extremely in the sense of like. You see the talent, you see the ability, but it was just the system didn't allow him to fully maximize that ability. And I think part of it too, DJ, is, is how often did you see this year with, you know, the game on the line? I mean, we saw it in, in Pittsburgh. We saw it, you know, throughout the season uh, versus Denver. Okay, try try him, right? Like right. even, even Sal said, it's like try him. And like, you know, it's no, not to discredit sauce at all, but like when you're put in those positions and all of a sudden that highlight hits Twitter or that highlight hits ESPN and you're like, right. you know, meanwhile, the Texans are getting blown out by 20 points. You know, it's it's way different. So exactly. uh, definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So is any questions for DJ? Yeah, man, I got a I got a fun one. Right. So quarterback's always the hot topic. And I, I think oh, it was last year, right, when you're on the beat and tweeted out about Derek Carr being Zach Sealin and, and what Jets fans <laughs> would, would feel about that. And now all of a we, sudden, all we, of a sudden, now, everyone's clamoring for Derek Carr. Like, where, where's your head at with that, man? I mean, I think you obviously if you put Derek Carr on the Jets this year, you know, they probably they're in the playoffs. Um, they're probably playing Buffalo or playing Jacksonville in the playoff round. Um, and Miami probably gets bumped out because Miami did lose to uh, the Chargers and you know, they lost a bunch of the games on the stretch. So um, I, it just, when I said Zach Sealing is Derek Carr, I meant like stylistically, like how he would have to play in the NFL to survive because I had watched enough to know he was never going to be Aaron Rodgers. Cause once, cause like when we went to joint practices and we saw both of them at practice, granted, yeah, Zach's a rookie, but I know for a fact that you would have saw Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, their rookie year on the same practice field as Aaron Rodgers, just from a talent perspective, you would have been able to see some of the similarities in terms of just pure arm talent and pure ability 
um, and how like how they could just wing the football. And like there was like the, the uh, there was like a legitimate difference. That's why I kind of threw the whole Aaron Rodgers comparison out the window. Obviously, not Mahomes. So I was like, okay, if he wants to survive in the NFL and be able to be a ten year starter, who does he have to play like? And obviously, Derek Carr was one name that came to my mind, where you have to be more of an on rhythm, uh, on time type of quarterback, being able to use your mind versus trying to just create all you know off schedule because that's what you know a lot of his issues kind of lie with being trying to always live on the off schedule versus staying on script mm-hmm. and being able to defense because to when people compare them to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes like when they scramble and move like you know create off script like they're good enough athletes to keep those plays alive for like durations and really like still gut you that way but they can still live on script and still gut you that way too which right. makes them impossible to deal with. So I always just said, like, that's kind of like what Zach would have to be is an on-script type of quarterback that can occasionally create off-script just like how Derek Carr can occasionally create off-script. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you're taking some victory laps on that now, DJ, which is fine. Well, I mean. It's know. fine. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's okay, you know, full circle, man. <laughs> always, you know, it's full, complete full circle. Sometimes you just got to sit back and, you know. So that's why you got to have foresight because foresight right. kind of, you know. Right. It's easy to you know, your lap now if you don't have the foresight. Right. And I'm sure, you know, the thing is, I'm sure that you learned in your one one year on the jet speed is that Jets fans are, uh, we're a rabid pack, you know, like uh, they have a tendency of really going after you. Right. But uh, it is what it is. You know, that's what happens when you have a, a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl since 1969. So, uh, exactly. you know, it's brutal. Uh, so, you know, DJ, one of the reasons I, I strongly appreciate you to say the least is that, the Texans blow the number one pick in week 18, you know, shout out Lovey Smith for getting the job done. Number one for, you know, big middle finger to the organization. Like I love it. I love everything about it, but you tweeted out. It's not the end of the world that the Texans ended up with the number two pick. And it's not like, everybody's kind of freaking out about it. Like, but you're still talking about the top two picks in the draft, right? You know, maybe they won't get Bryce young, which is fine. But like, at the end of the day, they're still in position if they really wanted to trade up one spot to get there. Like, I don't think that'll happen, but your, your kind of thoughts on on the Texans ending up with the number two pick and, and what they might do in that spot. Yeah, I mean, probably obviously go quarterback, but like, I think these quarterbacks are compared, are close enough in, I think they'll be close enough in grades, like the top three guys that like, you missing out on Bryce isn't going to be like a death sentence. Because I think another thing that people, you know, they're forgetting is like we've never seen a guy at Bryce's size at 5'10, 190, um, be a you know legitimate NFL quarterback. Like, I think Bryce's floor is top 20, but I think his ceiling is probably like top 12 ish. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where like it kind of caps out. I, I don't really know if he'll ever be a top five guy, but we'll see, obviously. Like, but because again, like the difference between him and Kyler Murray, like if anybody compares Bryce Young to Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray, they're just comparing them because they, they got the same skin color and they're both right. the same size. But <laughs> like they play completely different types of football. Like, right. like Russ and Kyler can actually live off script. You know, obviously they might get some trouble, but they can live off script and be able to make things happen. If Bryce is living off script, he will be coaching quarterbacks at Alabama in 2027, period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like, he, he's not that type of athlete, you know, like, like if he's a on, if he plays similar to like how Joe Burrow plays, how Tua plays, how um Dak Prescott plays, then then now you know where we're, we're talking about something that he could be a franchise type quarterback if he can play on schedule, be a process, and be able to sit in the pocket and make decisive throws. And occasionally, if you have to create, all right, cool, do what you gotta do. I want you to live in that in that environment. 
And I think the same thing about CJ Schrock, right? In that same vernacular, in that same breath. Um, granted, I think Bryce is a better off-script playmaker, but CJ Schrock is, 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 I think, a has a little bit stronger arm. But Bryce has more dog, I think, in his game than CJ does. But again, like CJ's film against Georgia was phenomenal, right? If you get that CJ, like, you're good. And that's what I was trying to explain. Like, there's no generational quarterback in this class mm-hmm. that you don't get him. That's the end of it. Like, you're in, you're in trouble. And I saw a lot of people be like, oh, you were with the Jets when they blew the number one overall pick. Yeah, but, like, the, them blowing the number one overall pick isn't why, you know, they were in the situation that they're in. It's because they just drafted the wrong quarterback. That's quite literally it. You know what I'm saying? If they don't, if they don't draft the wrong quarterback, then, like, we're talking about a completely different scenario right right it, it isn't really about like missing out on that you know and again there's no triple Lawrence in the class so again right. having them having another two overall pick having another first round pick having 40 million dollars in cap space that they can add to by either extending their tackles or just cutting some guys they could potentially have over 50 million dollars in cap space like they're in a good spot regardless you know they just right. got a hit on you know on that number two overall pick and keep it pushing like they're in a bad division like and on top of that, like even if they get bright, like, they play indoors half of the um half of the season, and then like they're gonna play to the Colts, who are also indoors. So like him being a smaller quarterback doesn't even matter to that extent because like they're gonna be playing. He's gonna be playing indoors for the majority of his um his tenure with the, the um, Texans, or if, if it's with the Colts, because like you know, the Colts could trade up and mm-hmm. they could get him. But either way, like you can get Charlotte, you can get Levis, you can get Young, so. That's so you're a big, odd. so you're a big Will Levis fan, is what you're telling me, DJ. Big no, Will Levis I'm fan. not a big Will Levis fan. <laughs> I've just come to learn that, like, you know, like having talked to like execs around the league, players, media guys, fans, none of us know like what, a, but what a good quarterback. Like, no one knows. Nobody who's knows gonna be at the next level in terms of quarterback. Problems. That's like the one position that like nobody can really truly like figure out. Like, it's it's. Like if you like when you talk to people across the league and actually talk to them about quarterbacks, you'll be astounded to some of the stuff that they say. Cause you'd be like, huh? Like I remember one coach like telling me that he thought that um that he thought that the backup quarterback was better than the starting quarterback because the backup quarterback knew how to find his checkdowns. But I'm like, that's 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 the reason? You feel me? Like what? So yeah, man, like nobody really knows for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I think we've seen that as Jets fans, right? Between going back to Sanchez and Hackenberg and Gino, right. Gino's ten year ten year development tour here, and then right. on to Sam, and then on to Zach, and it's like I think it's it's Jordan Palmer, QB coach, that says organizations fail QBs more than the other way around. It like I feel like as Jets fans, we've seen so much that it's like even if you get the right guy or, or get a guy that you feels the right guy, it takes so much for everything with that guy to click and, and really take right. off. And uh, I think the Texans and, and, you know, we've kind of talked about where the, the jets ready to draft a quarterback when they took Zach, was that roster ready? Uh, it definitely wasn't ready when, when we took Sam and, and you could argue when we took Gino too, I think the Texans are on a good spot. They have a good platform with their tackles, with their offensive line, right. with some of the weapons, yeah. especially if Mechie gets back, I think, and, and they got a ton of capital this year. They're, they're probably in a better, as long as they nail the coaching hire, they'll be in a, in a good spot. I think. DJ, yeah, can I, I inter- can I interest you in one lightly used Elijah Moore? Would you be interested as a as a Texans uh, beat reporter? One Elijah Moore. You you want to say if you want to send Elijah to Houston, that'd be great for me. <laughs> <laughs> so fun, 
one year. It's kind of yeah. crazy, that, you know. Like he was a, he was a leading receiver his rookie year, and then his second year, like after having another good training camp, like he was a third leading receiver. You know, it's kind of the whole Elijah Moore thing is kind of perplexing because it's like, like you see the talent. You saw you saw flashes last year, and this year, basically got like damn near nothing. Granted, yeah, you had the quarterback situation, but yeah. there was a lot in that situation. You know, Sliz and I were talking about it last week, and and obviously, like Elijah Moore was heralded for his character coming out of college, right? But the one the one conspiracy theory that I floated out there was I wouldn't be. I mean, a little bit surprised if like they draft Garrett Wilson and here's a guy that Elijah Moore in college was behind DK Metcalf behind AJ Brown. These guys get paid, right. And they get, they get their flowers in the national football league. And all of a sudden Elijah Moore is he's in his opportunity to, to get to that spot, but then they draft Garrett Wilson at number 10 and not to say that they have a bad relationship or anything, but I could certainly see that maybe rubbing him the wrong way, like going from his rookie year saying, I'm going to be the dude to now all of a sudden, all right, maybe I won't be the dude because you took a guy who might be the dude in front of me. Right. So, yeah, because so, the thing is, like, um, like it can work. You just have to have the right quarterback to make it work, right? Like, right. <laughs> like, like, I know people people in um, – like, for fantasy purposes, like, people were kind of like, do I draft Jalen Waddle or do I draft Tyreek Hill? I'm not too sure about Tua. So, who is going to be the one that's able to, be th- to be able to thrive and get the majority of targets? But, like, they had, both of them ended up. Going right. for over the bare minimum. I think they combined for 3,000 yards receiving. So, like, it really comes down to, like, can the quarterback get them the ball? Can the system um, allow both of them to eat? Because it's rare when you really have two quarter, two receivers that truly eat. The only way you can have two receivers truly eat is if that quarterback allows them to truly eat. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't think he has an issue. I don't think he has an issue with Garrett Wilson. I think, um, I think he's had an issue with his usage and getting the ball, you know? Right. So, I think that, that comes right down to, you know, having a quarterback that can feed both guys, you know, because, hey, you cannot, a receiver cannot eat if he does not get the ball. <laughs> yep. That's the truth. That's the truth, man. So, is any last questions for DJ before we say goodbye? Yeah, yeah. We don't have to linger long on this, but uh, a, a, a guy that, that Jets fans in general are very polarized around, he was an all-pro this year, may, maybe on your Hall of Fame ballot, as he tweeted out, as C.J. Mosley. Oh. Um, I know I know. a lot of the polarization, I think, comes from just his contract and being, you know, he's on about to be on the books for $20 million next year, and it looks like they'll retain him, probably do something with that contract, but what what does this guy do at practice and kind of the the stuff that fans don't see what what's some of that value you hear it from the coaches and all that like when it, when you were on the beat at practice every day what what's some what energy does he bring just like where's the disconnect cuz i see it and you see him getting guys in position and all that but then you also see him getting totally burnt in the flat cuz he just doesn't have the sideline to sideline speed that he he used to or that he needs in in the modern nfl yeah no nah, he's um like, yeah, the best way to describe it, he's the leader of that defense for the most part. Like, he holds everything together. Um, obviously, his smarts are through the roof. That's so why he's able to – it's just crazy. He's made five all-pros. Granted, all-second team, but five all-pros is – wow, are we talking about Canton for this guy? Because, again, like, that's kind of the bar. If you can get five all-pros, now we got to kind of start looking at you in a different light. So, um, I, I think for sure, stuff with leadership is smarts. Being able to have everybody in the right position. I know you guys both remember last year um, in 2021 where the Jets' defense was 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 okay. Um, it was coming off of the bye. 
like they kept the team in the game from the majority of the because those first five weeks, because um, you had the Panthers game, you had the um, Patriots game, then you had the um, Broncos, the Titans, and Falcons game. Was just fucking defense was actually fine, and then they went on a bye and they went to New England and mostly missed that game and they allowed fifty four points. So right there, that kind of lets you know like how much value CJ Mosley has because like CJ Mosley is the guy that can make sure everybody's on the same page and on the same accord. Like guys like that are invaluable. Like Texans in their linebacker, they could have used a guy like that. Granted, like Christian Kirksey can do some of those things too, but obviously just not as good as CJ Mosley, um, who's seen it, who's done it, who's been playing at a high level since he stepped into the NFL as a rookie in 2014. So um, you got to restructure this deal, lower the cap hit, but regardless, you got to keep a guy like that in the fold. Because if you let a guy like that walk, um, yeah, that'd be kind of crazy, to be honest. You know, you let that guy like that go because you can almost assure they expect your defense to regress in the, um, next year, you know, so. Right, right. Well, DJ, uh, for Matt, I want to say thanks for jumping on. Really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, keep kicking ass down there in Houston. Really, you know, we appreciated you on the beat. We really hoped you didn't leave after a year, but, you know, you stuck us with Kaz and Samini and all the other dorks out there in Florham Park. But, uh uh, you're, you're the one that got away, but that's okay. Cause you know, we, we root for your success, my friend. So thanks Absolutely. again for hopping on. Appreciate Appreciate both of you having me on. You have a great night. Thanks yeah, DJ. Thank you. No problem. you know, you know, so the one thing that's interesting because I don't want to linger on the Mosley thing, but the one thing that's interesting about, about CJ Mosley is that yes, it's five all pros, right. But he's essentially done it when you think about it as two different players. Right. Because he was the thumper in he was the thumper out there in in Baltimore. And he comes here and, you know, that first year he's still like that's essentially same player. But then Salah comes in, you're asking him to play an entirely different system, right? Entirely different scheme where so much more is dependent on you. So, like, he deserves a little bit of credit there. But, you know, that's that's about where I'll go with it. So it is what it is. I've said if if Mosley was making like 13 million. I, I would never say a word about Mosley, but he's making, he's making, he's even after that Roquan Smith contract, man, yep. Mosley's still making top five money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like the, that whole Jets off season is, season is like what you saw with, with Jacksonville this past season that you have to overpay guys to buy into what you're doing. And the problem is the Jets overpaid guys to try and buy into Adam Gase and not Doug Peterson, which is, you know, Super Bowl winning coach. Is a much easier sell than Adam Gase, so that's pretty brutal. Uh, on the topic of contracts, before we have a few minutes before we can get into the next, we have a con- we have a question here from Fuzzy Stoner, one of our favorites. Obviously, what does the Quinn and Williams extension look like, Sliz? Is that five years, one ten, sixty five million guaranteed? Five years, you know, one twenty. You know, what, what do you what do you think that is the capologist on this podcast? What do you think that contract kind of looks like? So. It's definitely at least 22, right? So mm-hmm. so in terms of APY, right, Aaron Donald's like head and shoulders above everyone else, and he should right, be, right? right? But then you get you get Buckner, Leonard Williams, and Chris Jones all stacked up right on top of each other at 21, 21, 20. I, I, think, I think we go for a five-year deal. I think you have a, a big signing bonus to stretch that out. I think in kind of Joe Douglas fashion, you probably have an out year on the last year or two. Yeah. Um, I think it's 24 APY. I think hmm. I think you get up to 24 annually on that. And and I think that's just where the market goes. I think Simmons, Jeffrey Simmons being a free agent 
or kind of not a free agent working through that negotiation. I think there's value to being first to mark like market and beating that. Um, Cause if you let Simmons get out and if Simmons gets 24, then Quinn is going to be asking for more off of the best season that either of them has had as a pro. Right. right? So I, I think there's value to get in there first. And I think you're probably looking 24 ish is where I would, I, w- I would circle at 24. I think asking for 22, I think is on the shallow end. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with how young is he is, man. He is young, right? right? And and I think we've seen the snap count, the system, it 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 works for him. And he right. is disruptive and he made a play every single game. Right. And here here's the thing that I want to this is kind of like a public service announcement, I guess. We said it before on this podcast. I've said it before on this podcast. It's something that I believe in. Good players get paid, period. Like I, I know everybody gets sticker shock over over this kind of thing, but you don't want a situation with Quentin Williams where all of a sudden you're getting cold feet and you're like, do we actually want to pay this guy $120 million with you know 65, 70 guaranteed, whatever the number is? Listen, good, that's just what good players get. That's what they go for, man. It's like period. And like a guy, like you said, Slis, this year he had, I mean, it took him a while, but this year was his breakout season. Right. But it wasn't just a breakout season. It was an all pro season for him. And and, and it, he was worth every bit of it. And the thing is, you've seen him. He's truly a, like a two, a quote, two way player. Right. It's it's in the run and it's disrupting the pass. It's right. disrupting the passers. It's just it's collapsing the pocket. And, and like that is a position that's valuable on defense. You have youth at the other premium positions on defense where you're okay paying him. And we also, right. like, if you look out, we have nothing at D tackle outside of Quinnen, right? Every guy's a free agent. Even if you draft someone, it's probably not high. Like, it's going to be the same thing, kind of like what we ran into with Leo. If you don't pay a guy, you got to draft a guy to replace him, right? And right. especially in this 4-3 where you're banking on that three-tech to be your big disruptor alongside to open up. I, I think, you know, you touch scheme with, with C.J. Mosley. It's important, too, with our wide nine. Quinnen right. has extra responsibility in that run game to kind of two-gap, right? He's right. got to be able to, to – he's got to be able to cover that extra gap that we're vacating to move our guy out wide to dictate a matchup. That's right. a pivotal role in this defense, it's one that that has been pivotal, whether it was Buckner, kind of how they use Armstead a little bit in um, in San Fran as well. Like that is a key role, and he's a he is a stud, and he's young. You gotta pay him. You have to pay him. On top of that, one more thing before we let in our next guest list, but we saw this year that the Jets' edge rush still isn't what it should be, right? And and when you have a guy like Quinnen who has an opportunity to disrupt the game from the inside and make your edge rush look better than what it is, and next season you're going to be talking to I mean maybe CJ um, CJ maybe Carl uh, Carl Lawson is gone off yep. the edge right I mean maybe CJ Mosley's gone who knows but maybe Lawson's gone off the edge and then you're really relying on a breakout year from Jermaine Johnson right so there's a lot that goes into it but uh, yeah that that situation is one that. It's going to be interesting to watch because this is Joe Douglas's moment. Like, aside from like trying to find a quarterback, is that you're going to have to pay Quinnen, and because you can't let this be another Reva situation, right? It's going to be miserable. And and with that, we bring in our next guest. You can find her on Twitter at Kayla uh, KP on TV with underscores in between. Sorry, Kayla, it's a tequila talking, but you can find her <laughs> tweeting angrily on on Sundays or happily when the Jets are winning. But certainly hasn't been a lot of that. 
Kayla Pace, Kayla, thank you for, for jumping on the podcast. We really appreciate having you on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yep. You got it. So Kayla, we're doing something called questions for a cause where we donate charity to every question that we get from the Jets discord. So one of the questions that we have here is when will the Jets next Super Bowl appearance be and why will it be in 2023? Do you have uh, do you have any opinion on uh, when, if the Jets will make the, how the Jets will make the Super Bowl in 2023? Give, give well, her a softball 20, to start off. Man. I mean, like, listen, <laughs> we got to go. We just got to we got to get through these questions list. But uh, Kayla, any, say, you know. were you guys saving this one for me? Like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, hey, I would welcome a 2023 Super Bowl appearance. I notice how it said appearance, not win. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. If we're going to go balls to the wall right. like that, then we're saying Super Bowl win. Yeah. All right. I'm not gonna, just going to appear there in 2023. <laughs> no, we're going to win it. Um, no, I think uh, if we still have the same coaching staff after next season, then it'll be in the next three years. How about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's fair. We take those. We take those wins. Uh, Kayla, um, we were just before you hopped on, Sliz and I were just talking about Quinnen Williams, really, and and just how much he's meant to this defense. Watching him on Sundays this year, obviously, big Jets fan, you know, everything you talk about. What are your thoughts on on what Quinnen did this year and how do you see this whole contract situation kind of playing out? Um, I think it was great to finally watch one of these top draft picks pan out the way we wanted. Um, <laughs> it's um a rare find here at this organization. And I also think too, like him ending the season with the comments that he did about how he needs to get paid is extremely appropriate given that the Jets have a long history of not keeping their homegrown talent in-house. And I think that they're finally at the point where the team is good enough where they can cough up that kind of money to keep a superstar around. Like, obviously, they're not like they don't have a complete roster. They're not 100% ready. They didn't make the playoffs. Like, they still have a couple steps to go. But they're good enough where, like, they're a couple pieces away. And right. so lock down this guy. Finally do right by the talent that you pick in the drafts, especially the ones that pan out, and uh, keep him here because he was so much fun to watch. And not only that, it was unfun to watch them when he was not on the field. Right. Yeah. That last key, that last thing is so important, right? How long have we been, Sliz, how long have we been watching the Jets and just, like, it's been just dreadful to watch? Right. You're wait, waiting for that guy to make a play and then just no one makes the play. Yep. No one gets to the quarterback and it's just still crushing. Right. Too yeah. many years is the answer. Yep. So Kayla, we're obviously, we're BSing a little bit. This is our end of year extravaganza, but um, what did you, what do you do with the Connecticut sun? Can you let the people in on it? And Maya Moore just retired, you know, but obviously massive name in the WNBA. Uh, any thoughts on Maya Moore and, and could just let people in on, on what you do with the Connecticut sun? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with my job. Um, I run all the social media channels for the Connecticut Sun. So um, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine yards, anything that pops up. uh, It's on me and my team to get stuff out there. Um, We cover all the in-game stuff. We work all off-season long. So we try not to have any dark days on social. So something's got to go out every day. And the crazy thing about the W is that season's pretty short. So the players are really only around for probably like four or five, maybe six months of the year if your team's really good. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to really stretch that out and make it work. And we're at the point now where it's like, 
we our season ended in September and I'm like, okay, I need the new season to start because I'm running out of stuff. Like <laughs> I am looking through the same pictures, same videos every day. Like what can I use? So um, yeah, it's hard when you don't have the players around to make the content because even in the off season, they're overseas or play in other places. They're, they're continuing to make money other ways because I mean, I'm sure people are at least semi-familiar with the fact there's a pretty big wage gap in men's and women's mm-hmm. sports. So they got to sure. go make their, their money elsewhere and they got to stay trained and stay ready. So uh, they definitely don't have time to sit around and make social media content with me. So, right. um, but yeah, I love my job. It's awesome. And um, Maya Moore retiring. I think everyone kind of knew based on the fact that she had been away from the game for a couple of years, but everyone who's a big women's basketball fan, especially is holding out hope because she was really on track, I think, to becoming the greatest ever. So mm-hmm. it's uh, hard to see her walk away from like so early on. But, you know, she's married, has a kid, wants to focus on her family. So people will take that path and that's great for them. But, hey, she still snuck in four WNBA championships by like 29 or something. So pretty sure like at a rate of championships per season, she's like at the very top. Right, right. You know, as, as a resident New York Liberty fan, I'm just glad that we have Sabrina on our team. So there's that. So, well, I don't know if you saw, but you guys just stole our MVP. So, well, <laughs> listen, we have to take some wins in in the New York sports market. Okay, like it is what it is. It is what it is. I understand. So, I get it. Uh, Kayla, obviously, uh, before I throw it to Sliz for a question or two, Zach Wilson is that? I mean, that's he's the big question debate conversation this year. I mean, Sliz and I have been Zach Wilson apologists pretty much for the entire season up until. He got back after he was benched and, you know, whatever. He was a bust after that. But what are your thoughts on how the Jets handled the Zach situation uh, from the moment he was drafted to 2022, everything in between? What, how do you feel that the situation kind of played out? Um, I think that, I mean, obviously with, like, as soon as Zach's drafted, the QB coach dies in a tragic accident. That's mm-hmm just like awful to begin with it's like the bad omen of what was to come like for him and his career honestly like it was just it was tragic and like so then you're scrambling to make up for it because you pick your staff based on like adding strengths and weaknesses so you have this QB coach that's experienced with the track record and then a very young like inexperienced offensive staff otherwise so it's like the intention was the staff for the staff to be balanced out. Like that wasn't, they were never, they never meant to hang him out to dry or leave him with somebody who wasn't ready to take that on that project. Um, but it's just the way things have gone. I mean, obviously there's like the issue of injury with Zach. And so that kind of shortens the sample size, but based on what you've seen from him, otherwise it's kind of hard to argue that he deserves more games. Um, I think everyone kind of has seen that, especially towards the end of this season, like, you don't see any kind of real improvement. And that's the scary part. Cause like, I mean, you look at Daniel Jones, I mean, this year he's oh, playing through his career and he starts going off and it's like, okay, well he just needed more reps. Like he, he needed a better system. He needed a better coach, whatever it might be. But like, at least Daniel Jones, like, he wasn't making the same mistakes that Zach was like, he, it, it was just like, Oh, he might not be it, you know? And like, now we're kind of just looking at like, can, can Zach read the play at all? Like, it's like that, that is like two different things. And it's just like to argue that Zach should be able to go back out there and hold this team back and set this team back. Like he has, it's just, it's tough to do. And I know that like 
Mike White is not the answer at quarterback, but like, oh, thank God, thank God. No, no, right, yeah, you can, no. You can I'm stay. Not... Yeah, you could stay. You could stay. We're fine. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I'll always have an appreciation for Mike White because, like, what a guy! Like, he's gonna go out there and play his heart out, and like, that's great. And I love how like the team clearly loves him. Like, it's not easy to get a guy like guys to rally like that around a backup. So, um, so like, that's great for him. And I think he should be an NFL backup. Keep him in the league. I think he deserves it. And I also think too that god awful performance at the end was largely due to that injury. But still, like I mean, it can't fall on him. <laughs> like it's right. pretty clear that he's not a franchise guy either. Right. Yeah, don't let Joe fool you. He has a white lotus mug. So, so no, I, I, I well, yeah, yeah. Sliss, Sliss had the uh, the wise ass idea to send me a little coffee mug with the white lotus a white Lotus on it. So that's in sitting, <laughs> sitting in the back of my cabinet somewhere. I told my wife to take it out of my sight and get rid of it. So there's that, but uh, so is any questions for Kayla? Yeah. I mean, staying on QB, where, where are you planting your flag this off season? You lean in Jimmy G leaning car draft a rookie. Where, where are you at on that? Okay. So I can tell you where I'm for sure not at. I do yeah, not that... want to draft a rookie. I'm okay. done with that. I don't want like, to waste any more like any rookie, time. any rookie or like a first round rookie. Like if we're talking like a day three rookie to throw in the room or like a late day two, like you're cool with that. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But I don't want to waste another premium pick on a, on a rookie quarterback. I'm tired gotcha. of it. I don't want to see it again. Like <laughs> if you guys want to, if the Jets want to go get their own Dak Prescott late in the whatever, fine. Be my guest. But like, I am really tired of it because it's a crapshoot. That's that's really what it is. And like, if you look at the last couple of years too, it's been the guys that have slid down the board a little bit who've been playing the best. So it's like, I'm tired of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to see that again. I'd rather use that pick on an offensive lineman or something like no more. Right. Um, I think that which experienced player, or at least like to some degree experienced player we get, will depend kind of on the offensive coordinator um i mean i thought for like i thought jimmy g was the obvious answer if lafleur was going to be there now that that's kind of out like i don't know if they're going to stick to the same system i don't know if they're planning on changing it up um it just kind of seems like jimmy g and lamar being like the really popular options they're not guys that are super durable um, and I don't know if I love that because then we're right back where we started, like in the quarterback rotation of like each guy has not thrown 10 touchdowns in a season or whatever it is like it's crazy. Um, so like I would lean Derek Carr and it's not because I think he's some superstar. It's because I think that it's time that there is someone in that position who like has a proven competency to play an NFL game. Yeah, it's so set. It's so sad. Sorry, so before you go on, it's no, so sad that the that the bar for the New York Jets are competency at the quarterback yeah. position. Like, that's it. We're not asking for a guy to go out there and, and go, you know, 50 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Like, we just want a guy who'd be like, listen, can you be competent for us? Like, please, especially yeah, with this defense. And even when the like the games where Zach just played like fine enough, where he wasn't a liability, like that's all we needed. We won well, those right. games. Buffalo game was perfect, right? That was Mike nice. White-esque in terms of high completion percentage, right? take what you got and, and execute. Yep. I think you hit a really good topic with Lamar, right? Where everyone's willing, everyone's wanting to throw the, the bag and a half at Lamar, pay him, trade trade the whole franchise, get him here, which I get. I think you touch on a really good point. It's like we can't sleep on these injuries that he's had the past two years. 
Yeah. And this one, you don't know if he's milking it a little bit with the contract, with with everything going on. But we were going through the numbers the, the other day. And it's like you look at all the comparables, even just this year with Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, kind of these run first quarterbacks. These guys aren't making it through the regular season consistently. And if we're going to do that with Lamar, if we're going to build that type of system, then you got to be you got to be prepared to live with that. And I'm, I'm on record. I think if he's traded, I think he's a Falcon. And I know Jets Discord's tired of me saying that, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think people are considering it. It's like I, I think they beat us on pretty much everything except for their defensive talent. Um, but I, I, that's a real consideration where we could trade the next three drafts throw all our cap space at Lamar only for him to get hurt in week 10. And then we're trotting out Mike White or Zach Wilson again. And, and we don't have the, the auxiliary pieces that we're going to lose because we, we sent out all that capital. So it's hard. It's, it's one of those trades you probably have to make if you can, but it could backfire real hard too. Yeah. And that's not to say I don't like watching Lamar. Like I would love to watch that. I think it'd be fun, but I don't want to watch it for eight to 10 games. I want to watch it for through the playoffs. Yep. And the thing with Lamar too is like you you mentioned a really good point too that the next quarterback is going to be dependent on who the offensive coordinator is going to be right, and we talked at length about like listen like say what you want about Lafleur I kind of feel like he was scapegoated I feel like Sliss feels the same way I mean the last three weeks of the season the offense wasn't there but there was so much that went into the Jets team that I don't think was on him ultimately but. Um, if you're bringing in Derek Carr and here's the scary thing, it's like, if you're bringing in Derek Carr and you sign him, if he, if the Raiders outright release him, because I don't see who's going to want to trade for him at this point, like, unless it's Houston Sliz, I don't know if you have any ideas on this where like Houston can get cute and they could trade for Derek Carr. And all of a sudden, like you have a competent quarterback there and you can use two and whatever to fill out your roster, you know, the 11th pick, 12th pick, whatever they have. But Depending on who the offense core, that's going to tell you a lot about who the next Jets quarterback is going to be, and that's that's a big big piece of this too. So it's a wild card, man. Some of the names that are getting the the Patriots tight end coach, who the hell? Like, some like three layers down offensive staff guys, like on the Eagles and stuff. There there's some there's some names, man, and we'll see. Marcus if, Brady uh, doesn't get you excited, like. <laughs> We'll see if Joe Lombardi gets fired. Which I, I think he should, but uh, I know I've, I've, uh, I was saying it's all fun and games till the Jets hired Joe Lombardi. And oh, he's he's already he was canned today. So was he? Oh, there's man, a, yeah, that, that shows yeah. you. Uh, I'm not keeping up, man. No, that's um, fine. You're, you you're know what this reminds with- me of? So every year, that last I lived in Texas when uh, they fired Todd Bowles, and every year. That last like I was like week seventeen game, a Snapchat comes up on my Snapchat memories. That's like, thank God the last game I'll ever have to watch Todd Bowles coach. <laughs> and then like it was out of base after that. So it's just like it's hilarious because like this exact situation. It's like everyone was like, oh, finally Lafleur's gone. Like and yep. it's like who knows though you don't know yeah. what's next <laughs> i mean listen before before we sign off here kayla i mean for me sliz and and i'm sure you know you probably feel the same like if i'm if solid's on the hot seat entering 2023 right and which he should i guess he should be because the jets need to make the playoffs next year and Douglas on the hot i'm i'm not taking a chance with these veteran offensive coordinators because there's a reason they're out of a job like people seem to forget that part like they're out of a job because they were figured out and because they were fired right so like for me if like if i'm Salah and i'm looking at brian i guess i think his name is brian johnson the quarterback's coach for for philadelphia like take a shot like go for it why not because i guess the hope there too is that he can develop a quarterback but 
who knows, man? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Unless you steal them away from a, a different team where they're still employed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's any more questions? Cause I got one more for Kale before we go. You, you go, I'll, I'll dig one up. All right. So, so Kale, one of the hot questions that we started our end of season extravaganza with is, is breakfast for dinner a sin or is it acceptable? How do you feel about breakfast for dinner? I'm really passionate about this topic and oh, I boy. feel like Perfect. I have the answer that people don't like. Okay. Let us hear it. I hate breakfast for dinner. I wow. Oh man. I'm wow. Oh, it man. like ruins my night. Like I, I remember as a kid, my mom would make that being like, Oh, I want dinner. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> no, I'm so anti breakfast for dinner. I do love breakfast food. Like I will eat it up until like 2 PM, but my dinner time is dinner time. Yep. I'm pretty with you there. I think I'm pretty with you there. It really depends. I brought up before, like if you, if you slap a Monte Cristo sandwich in front of me, which is like French toast with like ham and egg and cheese on it. And like, and you put that with like, it's sugar and cinnamon, like all this stuff. Fine. But like, I don't need like eggs and bacon for dinner. Like that's not, that's not. I'm not a sweet girl. Know. So I'm like, oh. I'm all like savory food. So it like, okay. that kind of kills it too. It's like, yeah. I don't want like pancakes. Makes sense. Hey, right. hey, JB, wait till the little guy's there, and then the only thing he eats is eggs. Like my daughter, yep. she, she will eat eggs. It's like, man, if we need an easy, quick dinner, egg, eggs and bacon is always a good go-to because <laughs> she will eat it, and I know she'll eat it, and then we're good. I don't want to say this. It's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because it's a little unfortunate. But my nephew actually is like allergic to eggs. Oh, really? So he'll so he'll like puke them up, which is very <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. My God, Go ahead, so Sliss. Yeah. <laughs> what what's your feel? What's your measuring stick on Becton? What's your your appetite for Makai mm. this off season? Are you totally <laughs> out? Are you in? I know, like, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm just I'm just your throwing appetite a, throwing a for grenade, Mac- <laughs> throwing a grenade That's a really on, funny on way the, to put that. the the let out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would say that I'm like 150 percent rooting for him because. I'm a person like I'm not a believer in like multiple injuries making you a bust like that says nothing about your talent that's like bad luck um so like I think he has the talent like I don't think of him in my head as like oh this dude was a bust like it might suck if we use that pick on him and he doesn't pan out and is never really usable enough to really like be on the field but um I think that he absolutely has all the tools it's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. So like I'm rooting for him, but like no one can really predict like if a guy is that injury prone, like how that's going to work out. But I think he has it all. Like I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you, Kayla. I, I want, I want Makai to pan out so bad because the site like, and, and listen, Jets discord is a very temperamental place, but the thing is it's like best case scenario. You want Zach Wilson to pan out. You want Makai Becton to pan out because it takes away so many question marks, right? right. Like if Makai comes into shape, into camp in shape and he's whatever his weight is. And he looks like left tackle that he was picked number 13 overall to be then awesome. Right? Like, and the worst case scenario is you, he's your right tackle and you figure out left tackle and not an easy thing to just do. Right. But, um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm pulling for the guy, and I I hope he's in the right he's in the right mind space. So, uh, I got a I got a bonus one. It's oh, bonus the, question. It's been the hot topic, and I think uh, Dane Brugler put out one of his first mocks, and it was what what we're dubbing the 2023 doomsday scenario, where the three oh, top tackles are gone. So there, yes. there's not an offensive lineman worth picking at 13. 
What, where, where's, what's your appetite? What position are you looking to again with the appetite? (laughs) Okay. We've been talking talking breakfast, man. (laughs) Yeah. that's Yeah. So, okay. So the problem I have is that this year when the jets started out like pretty good, I kind of tuned out of the prospect scene. Like I just, we've all been there. Yeah. 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 Like, so, I mean, I was working at CBS Sports before the Connecticut Sun, and I was literally doing college football research week in, week out. So I was more than ready every single time, and I was paying extra attention to the positions that I thought the Jets needed. So, um, but I have not really looked hard enough yet to know, like, what is up there right now, um, because I, this this offseason for basketball, I, like, slept every Saturday yep. all day. I did not watch Good. that much college good um so uh i wish i could give you like a good answer based on who i know is up there but i mean it's pretty obvious that like the run defense needs some help so Mm -hmm. maybe we could go there like a linebacker or something but also the jets can't pick first round linebackers so i don't know that's like darren lee darren lee anybody yeah (laughs) i don't wish that on them so Well, uh, Kayla, it's Liz and I want to thank you again for hopping on Jet Fuel today. It's it's been a pleasure. Obviously, we we always look for I always look forward to your tweets on on Sundays when the Jets are playing. <laughs> I I really wish you would change your Twitter profile header of from Mike White, but it is what it is. You know, that's fine. We all have our we all have our rooting interests, but um, it's when fun. we get a when we get a notable moment, I'll change it. Fair point. You know what? It's a very fair point. So, uh, Kayla, thanks again for hopping on. We really appreciate it, and all the best with the Connecticut Sun and everything else is obviously. Right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks for thanks, coming. Thanks, Gail. So, with the appetite questions, what's up with that, man? Very it's interesting. Just, anyway. it's just the the word ingrained in my head. I, I've yeah, been hanging fun. out with Huntington too much, and all of his Beckton <laughs> jokes, man. Like he he work he works the food puns into every single Beckton comment. Fair point. Fair point. Um. So here here's a good question as we continue questions for cause. Kind of kind of branching off your. Um, draft question is there any scenario where going all in on 2023 is justified over a more conservative offseason approach from nick yankee fan um it's interesting sliz because i i feel like i mentioned this on a podcast maybe it was last episode or a couple episodes ago where i would almost feel more comfortable with joe douglas like taking a step back and just reassessing this roster and not swinging a big trade or like handing out a big contract unless it's an extension or, you know, re-signing one of our guys. I, because I feel like the patience has to be there a little bit. And you look at 2024, and I know it's not 2020, 2024 is not 2023. I get it. But you look at 2024, they have a hundred. I saw over the cap tweet today, they have on like $114 million of cap space. And I know some of that is going to be eaten up by a Quinn extension and maybe they bring in a quarterback, but that tells me that there's no reason to really like panic one way or the other over what they do this offseason. Well, so I think the panic is urgency and the urgency is, right. do you survive this year if you underperform again, right? Do you kind of try to overload and really make that push, which really like if there's going to be a splash, it's going to be quarterback. And I don't think we do a whole, I don't think we can do a whole lot out of that right. outside of the draft. Right. And, and, I guess I, I I think it's important to remember, like we as fans have an unlimited timeline, right? Like all the pieces can change year over year over year. Us fans can always take the long-term vision approach 
and unfortunately, unless you're like a Howie Roseman, you're not afforded that luxury, right? Unless you're one of these guys, a Bill Belichick, you know, uh, one of these stable franchises that wins year over year, you're not given that leash to ride through years when you got the Giants on the opposite side of town winning and, and winning right. playoff games, right? instant turnaround when that roster is supposed to be in the dumpster this year it's supposed to be a rebuild year right you have us for going to be the longest playoff drought in all of the major sports right mm-hmm. like that weighs on the owner that weighs on the staff um yep. you know to follow Teutonic followed it up with is there a scenario where it's not justified right where basically he's saying why wouldn't we go all in and, right. and i think it i think we're I don't think we there's any world where we take a, an uber conservative approach. I'd like to try to to find that middle path, but I do think you know I, I've I've been shouting from the rooftop. Last year we spent a lot of 2023's dollars, right? If you look at over the cap right now, where there's a bunch of contracts that their um, their performance incentives that got bumped up, the Jets have negative cap right now mm-hmm. for this season, and that's without even a full roster, right? When you look at accounting for our draft class, when you look at filling out the top 51, we're at like negative 10 million. We can clear yep. room, but it's also, there's a lot of guys where it's like, like, do we want to cut Carl Lawson? Like that's the the easy, obvious cut, but it's like, oh man, but you're not sure if the guys behind them are ready. Do right. you want to cut CJ Mosley? Some of us do. The team's probably not. So how do you, how do you move that cap and, uh, where you want to find that balance is you don't want to go so all in and, and totally saints yourself where if we whiff this year, then you fire the GM and then we're in another and then we're in two stuff, year, right. another two year tear down before you can start building. And then we're saying, Oh man, well you can't, you, you got to give this guy a pass for five years because Joe Douglas left them in such a bad spot. Right. right. And, and I don't think that's the case. I do think we have enough young talent where that's, I think you try to, you try to make that path work out for you where you're balancing both sides of it. That's why Slizda, like quarterback is so critical Absolutely. to what they do, right? Because if you end up signing, I'm just going to throw a number out there. If you end up signing Derek Carr for, I don't know, six years, $200 million. I don't know what the number is. I don't know if that's reasonable or not. Like, you know, that's, it's a bit much, right? But like, if you have to overpay for a guy like Derek Carr and all of a sudden the next general manager that's comes That's reasonable in. APY. That's 32 okay. million a year. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Like if you're if you if you're talking about Derek Carr at 6200 or whatever the number is, like all of a sudden like if this if the wheels come off next year, which I don't think they are, I think there's a better chance of them being like a 9 and 8 type next year than like a total like this all fell apart 4 and 13 or whatever it is, obviously because the talent that they have is too good. But all of a sudden you're saying to yourself like, well, we got to fire Sala, we got to fire Douglas. And now this next general manager is going to be stuck with Carr and having to figure out everything else. Right. So it's like, I, I just, if they're in such a weird spot, that's why like, maybe it's because I'm a little scaredy cat as a fan where I'm like saying to myself, like, I would rather them just kind of like, you know, move some money, half measures here and there, figure it out a little bit as we go and go from there as opposed to like, all right, we have to go and spend these three first round picks for Lamar Jackson, sign him to the $300 million contract he wants, and then go from there. So 
It's scary, man. Scary times. I don't think Jets fans realize like how pivotal this offseason actually is. Um, yeah, it, it's I mean, scary. it's huge. It's huge. And, and it, it's kind of weird, right? Where there's been all the discourse around the Michael Fleur firing and all that. And it's like, it's a huge offseason, but it's like everything just depends on quarterback, right? Right. If you if you hit the quarterback and whiff on everything else, it, it almost doesn't matter, right? Yep. If, if you hit on your offense coordinator or if you hit on your first round linebacker or safety draft pick, but the quarterback sucks, then, then you're just getting scrapped. Right. Right. So it's like so much hinges on quarterback and they yep. always will. Cause it's the NFL and, and that's just how it is. So EE asks, um, you know, he's like six E's in his username. So this kind of branches off this question. So what would you, and we discussed this before, but what would your ideal quarterback room look like in 2023? I think it's a vet. So yep. Carr, Jimmy G, Tier, Ryan Tannehill. I'm putting my my I'm putting Ryan Tannehill at the top of the list. Tannehill's an interesting T- name. My my ideal QB room: Ryan Tannehill, Zach Wilson, day three rookie. Mm-hmm. I think that's about right. That's what I would. If I were playing it, that's what I would do. Because ultimately, fans want one thing, and it's to have a quarterback better than Zach Wilson. Right. That's like, that's what they want. And when you look at the quarterbacks that are available, the, like you mentioned, Tannehill, I know that people have this weird image of Tannehill. He's a good quarterback when he's right and he's in rhythm. Um, Carr is another quarterback that I think he's better than people give him credit for. I don't think he's an MVP, but he's certainly top 12 ish. You know, I think he's right around there. Like he's a Prescott tier, I think. By the way, before we move on to some other questions. Dak Prescott had probably his best, the best game of his career on Monday night when they when they downed the Bucks. That's my first thought on that game. My second thought on that game: any of these dorks, right? We're not doing Geek of the Week in this episode or anything like that. But any of these dorks, these geeks, these fools, these marks who thought that the Jets were the problem and not Todd Bowles, shame on you! Shame on you! That's all I have to say about that. It it's great. It's just crazy, man. Like I think maybe it was Matthew Barry, a fancy guy, tweeted out that Todd Bowles is the Nathaniel Hackett of defense. Right. <laughs> and it, like that just hit me so hard. It's like, it's so true, man. Like when he was just defensive coordinator down there, he was he was good, man. And then he gets head coach, and then he's got he's got linebackers pressing wide receivers at the line of scrimmage and blowing. It's like it's like you're blowing all the in-game like actual head coach decisions in terms of clock management and when to punt and, and like game decisions. And then you're also just falling apart and what your specialty should be. It's it's so weird, man. Yep. And here's the thing. How many times did we want? And listen, I know the Jets didn't have a lot to play for over the Todd Bowles years. How many times did we watch his teams come out utterly unprepared? Right. How many times did we see Todd Bowles' teams just look totally outmatched, outcoached, just totally fraudulent, right? And, and it was just more of the same. It was more of the same versus the Cowboys. So, I listen, I, I again, I don't like taking victory laps. One of my coworkers told me early this morning, though, that he's, he's sorry he ever doubted me that the Jets were the problem and not Todd Bowles. Uh, so, it, it really thrills. I don't want to say thrills, but it – does like uh, tickle me a little bit to see that uh, the Buccaneers once again under Todd Bowles kind of crapped the bed. Little little vindication. Yeah, yep. I got I got this one from Vid stuff here. 
What's the best way to name your child after a player on the Jets without your spouse noticing what you've done? How are you slipping in? Are you going like Joe, Jeremy Curley, Rivera? No. For, for us, like Chadwick? No. <laughs> uh, Curtis? No. Garrett? <laughs> There's a Garrett in the extended family, so that's not happening. Okay. Um, man, that's a good question. I got to think. Uh, Maybe I'll name him Makai. How about that? Makai could go. You could go the leg as your middle name. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not bad. Not bad. Not a bad suggestion. I'm just trying to think through the years. I'm like, uh, it's Quincy, you know, that's another one. Quincy could be up there. Uh, Aaron for Aaron Glenn, maybe. Oh, he was a good, he was a good guy. Cornerback for a while. Good DB. Good old Rex, man. Rex, sexy Rexy. That's the thing. Like that's Maybe one for those... a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't hate Rex as a name, but I know my wife would never go for it. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, yeah. Um man, that's a good question. It would have to be something because like I'm I can't talk about the names that we're we're discussing right now, but it would it would have to be something like that's kind of on the edge. So like a Braxton, but I, I feel like that's too recent of a name. So sauce. I would oh. My call of sauce, regardless. So, regardless of what the name turns out to be, but, yeah, just uh, just nickname them sauce, regardless of what their name is. Like, you're, yep, your sauce now. Yep, your sauce. Uh, so, what, what would your uh, naming convention be? How would you try and slip that? In? Are you going with like a plain name? I don't. I don't know, man. And it's extra tough for me knowing that we're having girls, right? That like super limits it. So, I gotta find. I gotta find like a Jordan. Whitehead. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm yeah, trying to think of like a, yeah. big names. The, I it would be hard. I I'd have to like invent a name off of one of one of the greats and and throw some random letters in there, some some random vowels in there to make it sound feminine. I, I Avina. I don't know. We got to bring up the Jets Ring of Honor. So let's do that real quick. Let's bring up the Jets Ring of Honor. Let's let's go from there. Let's see. Uh, Kevin Wise in there. So there's uh, there's that. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Like Mangold, no. Darrell Rivas, not no. <laughs> what about uh, Weeb? How about Weeb for uh, for a girl's name after Weeb Eubank, former? There we former, go, Weeb. You know, uh, yeah. let's see, Larry. No, I don't think that works as well. Jerry, that doesn't work as well. Wesley, yeah, I always kind of like the name Wes. To be honest, like that's not a Wes isn't bad, but you know, Darrell. You know, Dorelli. I don't know. Dorelina. Yeah, Dorelina. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a good one. Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Yeah, I, I that's think tough. I'm I'm hurting on on that side of things. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's uh that's tough for you. Nicole, maybe if it's like Nick Mangold, right? Nicole. Yeah. You could try and slip that one in there. That's not that, bad. I could. I could work. The the the, the Sheena. No. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Like I think we're that won't that won't that be one. that much. That might be not not as obvious, right? The Prakashina. Okay. She'll never know, man. Like... <laughs> Makes you think. Makes you think. Like <laughs> uh, so. so what says, I, what I take away from that is how how pathetic our Ring of Honor is, just in terms of like not that many names that we can <laughs> grasp for as like go to <laughs> names, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Very sad. Right. Uh, so this is our, our next guest is having some technical difficulties. We'll just keep asking some questions here. So you've been on a Marvel movie rewatch lately, and we know that uh, some people oh, in the Jets Discord. Not, 
not a rewatch. Oh, not, not a rewatch. That's right. Actually, first time, first time. So, uh, Sliz, lay it down. Let me. What are your top five Marvel movies? Dude, I don't know top five, man. So I'm not a I'm not a big Marvel movie guy. I start. I'm a big I'm a big Guardians of the Galaxy guy. And so with Guardians of the Galaxy three coming out this year, I was like, all right, I got to watch at least like the important ones, right? And it's like I kind of. I'm I'm on the internet, so I know all the Thanos snap memes, and I'm not feeling so good, Mister Stark, and all. Like it's, I know all the memes, right? Like uh-huh. so, I, so none of it, none of it was a huge surprise, but, uh, so yeah, was watching, got through Endgame. Some of some of the the MCU buffs were telling me there's probably one or two more I gotta watch, and, but like I love the Guardians movies. Infinity War is good. Thought Endgame was a little left me wanting a little more i thought i thought a, a little under delivered maybe it's just because i watched it straight back to back for the first time coming off of infinity war or i yeah um i don't know i i really liked ant-man i'm a big uh big heist, ant-man was good yeah heist heist movies. yeah I that like was one movies. i planned to skip and then i'm glad i didn't I, I really liked ant-man that was good what wasn't really big on dr strange i'm, I'm Interesting. not i think part of like part of it it's the same thing with endgame like when you start like splitting realities and doing all this time warp and time travel stuff, it's just like, you, you lose me, man. You lose me a little bit. It gets so a little, this, not, not that I can't follow it. It's just, it feels like a gimmick almost at times. Uh, like, yeah, well, we're going to time travel. Yep. Yeah. The thing about Endgame is that it was less of a movie and more of a celebration. Right. Yeah. We're like, so much of it was like, okay, well, Hey, here's a scene from this movie, you know, that we're like replaying for you, but oh well, there's time travel and like which is fine because like if you've if you've watched them systematically and when they've released throughout the years, then like you watch this movie and you're like, it's almost like a nostalgia rush, right? We're like right, dude. I the first Iron Man movie came out in 2006, right? Know, so dude. like it's 16 years ago now, almost 17 years yeah, ago now. So like it's been a while. So like when you watch those movies like one by one, you know, as they come out and you say to yourself, well, Endgame's a celebration, which is what I get. I really enjoyed Doctor Strange, both movies. I liked the first Doctor Strange a lot because it was kind of like that mind F kind of movie where like it was Inception kind of. And I will say, though, they didn't really hit his character hard until the second Doctor Strange movie, which I really, really liked. I really liked the second Doctor Strange movie. And I understand that there are people that like, Lots of mixed reviews on the second Doctor Strange movie, but I, I really enjoyed it because I feel like it hit more on the essence of his character a lot. So I did enjoy that. Um, I don't know. So many of the Marvel movies fall to formula. That's why I think Winter Soldier uh, is featuring the Captain America is my favorite of the Marvel movies. I, I, just, I just think like it's like a good it's weird because it's like a chase movie because like they're trying to find them, but they can't really find them. And then he's chasing them. So like, that's good. That's enjoyable. Guardians of the Galaxy one's a cl- I, I don't want to say classic because I don't think it's like a classic, but I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I love the first one. The second one got a little gimmicky a little bit. Yeah, little, the second little, one is not as good. A little over the top at points. Yeah, I mean, first, it's just first like, one's amazing. Absolutely. They very much tried to hit the sentimentality in the second movie, and it just didn't land for me in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I wasn't crazy about the second Guardians movie. Uh, Thor, the first Thor movie was fine. I mean, Iron Man was good. Iron Man 3 is like the worst movie I've ever seen. I'll say that. Maybe not the worst movie I've ever seen because like I've seen a lot of bad movies, but Iron Man 3 is 
de facto the worst of any of the Marvel movies, period. Like there's no worse Marvel movie. So is what it is. It, I, that's the only movie that I've ever actually considered like walking out on. It was that bad. I didn't like wow. it. So. It is kind of crazy. I was having this thought, right? Because I was I was watching wrapping it up this weekend, and it's kind of crazy, like in media, like Thor and, and Marvel Thor and just Asgard and Norse mythology and all that's been such like this big thing. And then right. like at the same time, God of War and North Norse mythology in the PlayStation yep. world, it's like like two two titans in media and video games and, and then cinema. Yeah, not cinema movies. Mm-hmm. Um, are are thanks, Martin. Are Martin yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, are, uh, but they're both like so rooted in the same kind of base content. It's just as I'm kind a little bit of a mythology buff. Grew up on a lot of that. Enjoy yeah. it. It it, it kind of it's it's cool that it's that it is such this thing, but it's also a little weird that's like man, two of the biggest things out there right now are both rooted in in the same thing that's been out there for for ages. Yeah. So as you move on, I'm, I'm not sure. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if our last guest would be joining us. There's uh, remaining some technical difficulties here, but uh, let's move on with some questions here, Sliz. Uh, I don't know if Salty was serious with this because I'm not even in the mindset right now. What prospects should we be on the lookout for in, in the sixth and seventh rounds? Get real. Yeah, I, th- I think like uh, I think like Kayla Pace was saying, we had a, a, a rare season of not drafting pro- or scouting prospects in October. Yep. So well, I'm not there yet, man. And, yep, we're not and we there. don't have any seventh round picks and, and yep. Joe's trying to trade away our sixth round picks for, for bum running back. So, <laughs> um, I don't, I, I wouldn't rule out a punter or a kicker again, kind of re-rolling at one of those positions. I wouldn't rule out like a Jeff Smith replacement. I don't know. I don't have names for you, but those are a, a run stuffing D tackle. Those are kind yeah, of the that's, positions uh, I'm looking at ones where you can get pretty good immediate value out of a, a late day three pick in kind of a niche role. Yeah. Right? I think that, a run stuffing, a run stuffing DT is big for me yeah. because when you can, when you can deploy the NASCAR package on third down and not have to worry about it, but you have to be able to keep them in third and long situations. Right. To, in order, that's like that's the thing. Like everything with the solid defense rolls from, well, you got to shut them down. You have to shut down the run. Number one, number two, you have to play excellent coverage, which they pretty much did this year for the most part up until the last couple of weeks, where they were really attacking linebackers. But uh, the key is to just continue to 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 keep them in the third and long situation. So if you need that run stuffing DT, and also it takes pressure off of Quinnen because like the dude. Like you mentioned before on the pods list, the dude's excellent at stopping the run, but it's a matter of he can't do everything. Oh, yeah. on so uh it's 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 a lot. Um it, it's it's a lot to ask because they're like the thing is the thing about the season is the place the pieces that they have to replace, it, like we we know what they are, and it's not a matter of they're going to have to spend high draft capital to fix it, right? Linebacker core, they can figure that out. Um, it's going to cost you a little bit. It's going to cost you day two picks. It's going to cost you some money in free agency, but run stuffing DT, like you can figure that out. Guard, you can figure that out unless you want to be a bozo and trade up for one, right? But you can figure that out at some point. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. 
Yeah, I, I want to tackle this question from Nilton here. So we, we've, we've talked on some cap stuff, right, and, and where we're at. So Nil, Nilton asked, who is the surprise cut, if any? We're digging in actually right before that we, we started hopping on to record this podcast and, and the free agency and draft channel around how from last week to this week, the cap projection changed, right? The Jets went from like 3.9 million over to now we're in the negatives. Our effective cap is now down at like negative 8 million when it was at negative one. And so we're looking, okay, where, where'd that money come from? So part of it's from a Carl Lawson incentive bonus. Um, mm-hmm. The rest, though, is from the their PPEs, the proven performance escalators. So these are uh, draft picks outside outside round one that are performing in in a in a fashion that exceeds their rookie contracts. And they we we saw this with Quincy Williams, where yeah. he got a pay bump going into this year based on his performance and snap share and things of that nature, right? So the Jets actually had three guys pop up on that. And and they're probably three guys that you wouldn't pick out of pick out of the crowd if you're guessing. And and I'm gonna hit you with a little uh keep trade cut on this, right? Oh, kind of our, our our version of uh FMK. M- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so keep keep you got keep one, you gotta trade, trade one, or yeah, you gotta trade one, or you gotta and then you gotta cut one, right? Ashton Davis, Bryce Hall, and Braden Mann all hit the tier one PPE level, which bumps their their base salary up. All base salary, so it's easily cuttable. But all these guys on, are on the books right now for about three million next year. Ashton Davis, Bryce Hall, Braden Mann. Wait, where are you going with that? Two two backups and a, a punter that has struggled mightily. Ashton Davis, Bryce Hall, and Braden Man. I, I hate that you asked me this question when I've been sipping the Ocho. Um, <laughs> is it so? What what are my options again? Cut, keep keep trade cut, keep keep trade cut. All right, so I'm cutting Braden Man because he's a punter. I'm sorry. Like and and we discussed in the last podcast. I feel like Man wasn't as bad as people were making him seem, but all of his shanks came in the worst possible spots. Yep. I am trading Bryce Hall because I feel like he has much, much more value than Ashton Davis has. And I'm keeping Ashton Davis because I really like we have, we haven't seen it, but I feel like his athleticism, his speed primarily does have a place on this team somewhere, whether that's specials, whether that's as a backup free safety. I don't know. I like, I really don't know, but I, I just think you can get something for Bryce Hall. We didn't see it this year. I, I mean, I don't know why they, I don't know why they kept Rice Hall, man. It's just, you know, it is that's what it weird. is. But it's a little weird. <laughs> I think that's a that that I'm pretty set in that though. I think you you keep Davis, you trade Bryce Hall, and you cut Braden Man. Okay. That's actually easier than I thought. Okay. I'm down with that. You know? But yeah, three three guys between those three, they're about to make be nine million on the cap sheet next year, which yep. that like that adds up when you have those those level of bottom of the roster guys taking up that much cap space that that yep. adds up man for a team yep. that you know joe douglas said we're flexible but uh yep. it's there there's going to be a lot of cap magic this year and you're going to have people saying the cap's not real and then in two years we're going to pay for it yeah i mean that's the thing and i mentioned in the last episode is that this is the off season where douglas is going to have to earn his paycheck right because this is where 
like it, I don't want to say it's easy because it, clearly it's not, but it's easy for a GM to take over a blank slate and would have draft capital and have cap and kind of mold the roster in their image, right? Whether or not that works is one thing, but it's another thing when you have to make tough decisions and you have to maneuver the cap and you have to trade draft capital, or you have to trade certain players that you don't think you would have, you would have had to trade like an Elijah Moore, maybe. Right. So this is the off season where Douglas is going to have to earn his money. We'll see what he does. Let's see. Am I, am I in this uh, this foods comment? Have you done research on what one of these uni pizza ovens are, man? I do want to mention this. I have no idea what the uni oven is, but I was getting ads for it on Instagram. <laughs> and I never in my life have I ever searched for uni. I have no idea what it is. Like man. this is the first time it's ever been mentioned to me. Dude, foods I've, poisoning like, the well and getting the Discord kickback and unbelievable. I, I don't see a dime of it either, man. I don't see a dime of it. But so, like this uni, he he he's gone on and on about this thing in food a couple of times. The Food Channel. It's like this outdoor pizza oven that costs like five hundred bucks or something. And it's like so so I'm against it because a it's a single function thing and b like I'm not home, I'm not making pizzas at home that much. Right. But where my real gripe is, man, I don't know where the heck I'm storing that thing. Oh yeah. I'm not leaving that on the patio 24 seven, like with the cover on, like, I don't know where I'm storing that. And especially I don't know where I'm storing that during the winter. That's my big thing with the uni. And, and you know what, Sliz, it's like, so I live in an apartment, right? Because I'm in the Northeast and I can't buy a house for life of me, but you know, all of these kitchen appliances, bro, where are you supposed to put these things? Like, I know the uni is something on its own, but like, I had an air fryer. I got an espresso. I got like an electric can opener. I got a soda stream. I did like people got these microwave, the mic, not the microwaves, but the microwave ovens. Like what the hell am I, where am I supposed to put in the crock pot? Like where am I supposed Kitchen to put it? I got a bread maker. I got Dude, a two like, crock so- pots. I got a what waffle maker. Where am I supposed to put all this? Like, yeah, I got a waffle maker too. Like what am I supposed to do with all this? It's just, I, I don't know, man. And then you for, then you forget you have the waffle maker and you never make waffles anyway. And then you can make chicken and waffles for dinner, man. A little breakfast, no dinner crossover. I do with- like chicken and waffles. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's a good stuff to be honest. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we still got a few questions here before. Unfortunately, our last guest won't be joining us today, but we're rescheduling for for probably a co-pilot conversation in, in a week or two. So that'll be cool. But Sliz, big question. Everybody wants to know where will Brady go. I think it's pretty obvious. Joe Brady? No. Next Jets offensive coordinator, baby. No. Marcus Brady? No. <laughs> no. Marsha Brady? No. No. Tom Brady. Where will Tom Brady go? I, you feel like – well, so I was going to say you feel like Tampa ran its course, but they fired their offensive coordinator. I'd say if Todd Bowles gets fired, Brady's going to bring in his guy. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like I feel like the Raiders would make the splash. Niners are the other one that's been linked and and but if I'm the Niners man, I don't I don't touch that. Like the Niners have Purdy's doing what he's doing. You're they still believe in Lance and and he had a year of development and then obviously got injured early this year like I'm not touching Brady if I'm the Niners. I don't think Brady is what gets that team 
quote over the, they might not even need to get over the hump right. right right like i don't i don't think that's that's a path for them forward i think you're looking at the raiders going back to tampa i, I don't want it to be the jets and maybe that's a hot take i i i don't see how that ends well right but you see the thing about brady is like uh, he was bad this year man he's at not, some he's not point, very good you know at some point and i know that he's defied it age catches up with everybody everybody well and, that, and, and there's the off the field toll now too I mean, and it's yeah, a, i don't I just know you don't, don't know how you're much playing with fire yeah. If you were to tell me, like, if the Jets were in this position five years ago, or you know, even when Brady was the last was a free agent last time, that's one thing. But it just his age scares the crap out of me, is what it comes down to. And yeah. and and like I, we've never seen, you know, you want to talk about George Blanda, whoever else, like playing until he's 50, fine, but we've never seen a guy play at this level for this long. And that's what scares me more than anything. I think he's going to the Raiders. I just think it's the team that makes the most sense. I don't think they're talented enough to win a Super Bowl, though. Mm-mm. Like d- defensively, they're just not. Right. So, like, I I just don't see. I don't so like Max Crosby is incredible, sure, but like their linebacker, they have a decent linebacker core, fine, but I just don't see him heading to Vegas, even with the reunion with McDaniel's, and saying that oh well, this is a Super Bowl winning team in that division too, where. Depending on who the Chargers hire, or the Chargers aren't didn't fire Brandon Saley, but depending on what the Chargers do next year, and you still have the Chiefs and Mahomes running that division, uh, you still have the Chargers in that division. The Broncos are an interesting case because whoever their next hire is going to be is going to want to get the most out of Russell Wilson, right? So it's just like I, I just don't see how he will take it to any of those teams six times a year, you know, whatever it is. So I don't know. Not the Jets is is my yeah, is my short I'm, answer. I'm uh again to use the the Kayla Pace answer. I, I don't necessarily have guys that I want as the answer for the Jets. Right. I have guys that I definitely do not though. And yep. Brady's one that I do not want. Yeah, I think that kind of branches off into another fuzzy uh, or the same fuzzy question. I think I, I just scrolled past because I'm a dunce. Right. But what do, you, uh, what do you what do you think about this Teutonic one? He's asking, would you consider AVT at right tackle moving forward? Mm-hmm. I absolutely would. I consider it. I would consider I think, it. I, I just don't. I don't know, man. That that this one for me is very tricky, right? Where part of it's like you almost want it to happen and hope it works because it justifies the trade up a little bit more. Um, part of it too is like I I feel like it's being overstated how good AVT was at right tackle. Like he was good, he was fine, but I. I don't think we have enough of a sample to really definitively say anything about how he was at right tackle. Whereas I know when he was playing at guard, he was doing really well and he did things at guard that his replacements could not do in moving in space. I think this answer for me, but like my gut reaction is no, I want AVT at guard. I want us to have a legitimate answer at, at one tackle spot, whether that's the pick at 13, whether that's getting, I don't think we can pay a, a high end free agent, but um, and then I want to kind of piece together the other end with, you know, Mackay and Max Mitchell. And then I want AVT to be kind of the emergency fill in there. Right. But depending on the scheme we're running, right? Like AVT's value in the LaFleur scheme is a lot different 
if we, if we change to like a gap power scheme, right? right. We're in a gap power scheme. You're already neutering that, that movement ability in space and all that. I'm way more open to moving them to right tackle in that sense. So a lot, mm-hmm. we got to see what the offense coordinator hire is and what that scheme is that we're running. If we're not going to be running this wide stretch zone outside zone run game, I, I can get there, man. I can really get there. But yep. I, well, ask, ask me again in, in three weeks when we have an OCI. <laughs> right. I think that's the thing. It's like everything circles back to the offensive coordinator where we know what they're going to use these pieces. And that's the concern that you have, right? Is like, how will they use these pieces? Will they be, I mean, you figured Garrett's going to be a good player in whatever they run with him. Uh, Elijah Moore's is kind of a question mark, but the offensive line is is a big question mark too. So the, the tight end room, man, is the one that weirds me out the most. And and Chimp was, you know, talking the numbers on how we went from like totally ignoring tight end to almost over investing in in it this last year to correct and kind of try to run the 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 shanty style Niners offense. And it's like is a new uh, like we're we're stuck we cannot move off these guys right we're gonna have Uzama we're gonna have Conklin we're gonna have Ruckert we're gonna have kind of those fringe guys like a Ubo and stuff like are are we are we gonna bring in an OC that even ever ever runs two tight end sets right like right. is one of these guys always gonna be rotting on the bench two of these guys always, it, it is weird I do think it's a decent foot like I think we can adapt to whatever like it's a decent footprint but mm. um on Elijah Moore I think he can only go up. I think that like, if there's a guy that you're going to look at, that'll benefit from the OC change. It's got to be Elijah Moore. You would think, Um, but we'll see. Yeah. So let's, 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 let's put a bow on this thing. I mean, this whole episode has been a landing strip, but what a season it's been. What a first uh, 20, however many episodes of jet fuel it's been off season still to come. Any closing thoughts on our jet fuel end of season extravaganza? Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for hosting for me. All, you know, we kind of joked about this for, it feels like a couple of years and oh, we got to get jets, jets cord pod going and use content from the the guys and, and go from there. And we made it happen. It was fun, man. So appreciate all you guys out there listening. Appreciate the, the discord for, giving us, giving us topics, giving us questions, all that sort of stuff. And it's fun. And hopefully we'll be back and doing again better next year, man. And, and yeah, off season, off season's coming. I plugged it a lot. Off seasons where we do a lot of fun stuff as a discord or generally people are not beating each other up, not, not throwing takes over one another. And it's a lot of, Hey, let's, let's figure out how we can collectively come up with the best team building solution and we'll do mock drafts and all that, all that good stuff, man. Yep. It's fun time. It's been fun. This has been the, the longest pro- podcast project that I've ever done. And I've done a few of them. So that that's been a pleasure, but uh, you know, so the discord has been great since the first, since I first got the invite from, from jets, Reddit actually to, to join the discord. It's been great. I mean, you go from, for me, it's been going from like a hard nose or quote unquote hard nose reporter to like being just one of the the fandom there. So it's been fun. So a lot of fun things coming this off season. Next year, we're going to have potentially a new look. We might be on video next year. Uh, we're going to have, you know, more Sliz. You know, everybody likes Sliz more than me. We're going to have more Sliz breakdowns. We're going to have probably a YouTube page if all goes well. We're going to do a, a lot of stuff. So there's still a lot more to come. And thank you all for, for your questions. I know we couldn't get to all of the questions, but 
be rest assured that those questions will all go to a good cause. Everything will, you know, go into Demar Hamlin's community toy drive. And uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a pleasure. So more to come, more to come. Yeah, and let's hope, like you said, lots bearing on this off season. Man. This is it. It's going to be, is it. It, it'll be a good one. I hope, Critical. I hope it's a good one. It'll Critical. be, a, it'll be a fun one to see play out. We might, year from now we might be crying and say oh man this was so predictable how this fell out one way or the other yep <laughs> but critical. hey we'll see critical offseason but that'll do it for this episode of jet fuel the jets discord podcast obviously you already found us but you can continue to find us on soundcloud spotify apple podcasts and pandora uh please leave us a five-star review where applicable i don't know what it does for us but you know i'm sure it does something for us you can always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jerevera SN. You can find the podcast at, on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? At Sliz underscore NYJ. You can always send us an email at Jet Fuel Discord Podcast at gmail.com. I think it was Nick Yankee fan who almost sent us an email. So uh, don't be afraid to send us an email. We could always use more emails. Uh, and uh, Sliz, how can the people join the Discord for all of our off-season excitement? Yeah, discord.gg slash NYJets. Now get in there, chat with the boys. We got we got a whole bunch of channels. If if you're into other sports too, we got we got that as well. And you know, we'll have announcements all off season soliciting, trying to get people signing up for teams for mock drafts. And and it, it's it, it is good to look through the draft from the lens of another team too. Yep. Like I feel like fans get so blindered on on okay this is how the jets are going to thread the needle and get the yeah. perfect off season and it's like well no you know oh jets are going to draft a tackle at 13 you start looking at the board it's like oh man titans probably need a tackle atlanta could take a tackle raiders need a tackle cardinal and, and just like going through those what if scenarios what if it is a doomsday scenario no tackles are available right that like do you go wide receiver even though we've drafted wide receiver back to back do you go safety or linebacker when you could probably get one of those around two i don't know let's play it out and we got a couple months to let it play out and then uh then we'll, the actual thing can happen we can either celebrate or complain for the rest of the time that yep. our guy was right there <laughs> they're always right there sliz is they're, what it always, comes down to. Always, they're always, always right, there. right there man but uh you know before we give our sign off we just want to let you know guys that it, it really has been a pleasure and we'll be back at some point, probably around after the Super Bowl, we're going to have podcasts, obviously, this offseason. I'm not sure what the frequency will be yet, but rest assured that more content will be coming and more Jets Discord integration will be coming. But uh, obviously, this this train don't stop. This train don't stop for anything. Not the Super Bowl, not the offseason, not a thing. So for Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel.